warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 412. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's mix it, paint it, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Sure only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hey, this is Hall of Famer Dominique Wilkins, and you listen to Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm a leftover. No Jake this week. He'll be back next week. But I am joined by two guests, and I want to introduce Mr. Joe Stark from Starkcast coming onto the show Fucking with two days notice. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here. Even short notice. Short notice Joe is what we call him now. <laughs> it's a terrible nickname, Joe. I don't know why you let me get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> For the past two days, I've just, I've been referring to you as short notice Joe. You've said nothing. I'm assuming <laughs> you're fine with it. <laughs> well, you know, of all the other things you could call short on me, notice is, is probably the one that... That is least humiliating. I do call you Small Dick Joseph behind your back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Someone's getting a dick pic. Oh, oh, shit. Put a Coke can in it for size reference. Okay. All right. (laughs) Joe's going to put a micro machine in there and say it's a Hot Wheels. Anyway, we're also joined by June from Apple to Oranges. Welcome, June. Hi, it's fun to be here. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. We uh very very exciting times we live in. Yes. Now, it, good shit this week. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Main host aside, yes, we have great things going on this week. That was a knock on myself. <laughs> That's a knock. Self-deprecation. <laughs> Self-deprecation. <laughs> oh my god, Brian hates himself. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. Anyway, uh, we've got uh, winners for last week's contest uh, for the Clifford the Big Red Dog. So, yeah, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Man, can you imagine neutering that dog? <laughs> Jesus Christ. What, what, what goes into that? Can you imagine that dog humping your leg, Joe? 
<laughs> yeah, it would be it'd be really bad. You know, <laughs> I think you'd die. <laughs> Last week we talked yeah. about jackass, and they had fifteen gallons of pig cum, and the, the, I can imagine that that's what it would look like after getting your leg humped on by Clifford the Big Red Dog. <laughs> can you imagine the vet up on a step ladder <laughs> trying to trim those bad boys off? Can you no? Like if the dog fuck if Clifford the Big Red Dog fucking humped your leg, violated your leg, I think you the owner should have to pay for your therapy sessions because you literally just got raped by a fucking dog yeah it's gonna be so much more than your leg getting humped they're like he's humping your being at that point no shit yeah like it's cute when it's like oh it's a little chihuahua and he's going to town on my not when it's a 15 fucking foot dog (laughs) with a red rocket the size of a scud exactly and that thing's slapping you in the face yeah oh my god yeah, that's that's the deleted scene uh, I want to see, Joe. <laughs> With well, it. He's, a, he's a CGI character, so you know all it takes is a little bit of a little bit of coding. I don't want someone to make that. I don't want someone to make that. I would. Oh, I would. I would have out of curiosity. I would no. have to watch it. I don't know because I'm not even curious. It's not even. I'm not even curious about it. I mean, it's. I don't know. Is it any worse than the Dirk Diggler dick scene? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> probably. All righty. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. I got to go over these winners. I forgot. I, we went, I went down this Clifford the Big Red Dog <laughs> rabbit hole. I forgot that, that there's some fucking people waiting to win this fucking Blu-ray. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Joe. The, the Adams Family 2 winners last week. Those were physical copies for those people. Oh, that's exciting. And very exciting for those people. All right, here we go. First winner for Clifford the Big Red Dog. And you wouldn't believe it, many people did send uh, the title of it as Clifford the Big Goddamn Red Fucking Dog or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> did you have people email to the wrong email address again? Uh, I had one person thinking they were cute, naming it contest, and I just, I didn't even open it. I just deleted it. I, You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. know, I know what you were doing. Yeah, real cute, real funny. Uh, I'm talking to you, Wayne, semi dry chicken, you son of a bitch. I fucking deleted that shit. I don't know what you fucking wrote in that fucking email, but I fucking <laughs> deleted it. I don't care who the fuck it comes from. It's not cute. Knock it off. <laughs> I, 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 that son of a fuck. Um, <laughs> you know what he was doing? Actually, he was transferring like a shit ton of Bitcoin to you, and you just deleted that email. That's you know what? I highly doubt that. You can make up any story that goes along with that, and it's he was just being a smart ass, June. <laughs> anyway, first winner is going to be Andrew Kane. Andrew Kane, you win a uh, physical copy of Clifford the Big Red Dog. You want me to write these down, dude? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm already reaching for the post-it. Andrew Kane, right? Andrew Kane in Kane and the membrane. Andrew Kane okay. in the brain. <laughs> Got no cane. I'm. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I. I am the furthest thing from Cypress Hill. All right. Yes. Yes. You June, don't agree with me. All right. Get, try, you know, I already did my self-deprecation at the beginning of the episode. Be nice. <laughs> I'm gonna delete you like I did that email. No, I'm fucking with you. I'm fucking with you, June. That's fine. It was. It was deserved. I needed. I needed to be knocked down a peg. Um. Let's see here. Second winner, George Mahaney Walter. 
George Mahaney Walter. Number three. George Mahaney Walter. Sounds very upper class. George Mahaney Walter. <laughs> I'm George Mahaney Walter the third. <laughs> I don't know why he sounds like uh, Mr. Howell from Gilligan's Island, but apparently. Uh, Nicholas Santones. You're going to win a uh, copy of the uh, Big Red Fucking Dog. Monica Garola, whoopty shit. She's number four. Whoopty shit for that, that's that's what that's what Monica Garola gets from now on. She gets a whatever she won. Yeah, we get it. We get it, Monica. You fucking win every week. Final winner for Clifford the Big Red Dog. God damn it! Hi, Cake. I don't know if you guys can hear my cat over there. Oh yeah, there he is. Adam Cornett. Adam Cornett. Yeah, you win, Adam. There you go. All right. Big fucking winners this week. Big <laughs> fucking winners. All right. That was, that was fun. Love giving out free shit to people. Anyway. Uh, let's see here. I don't know. I don't have anything cute this week to, to jump into. I don't have anything cute. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't plan on any, anything cute this week to talk about before we start the episode. Maybe, maybe you guys have some. Maybe you guys brought something to the goddamn table this week. Huh? Why is it always me trying to keep this relationship going? <laughs> I fucking come home, I tell you about my day at work. You didn't ask me, but I tell you about it. Sorry, I just flashbacks <laughs> to my parents. Um. I went for a hike earlier and fell down a hill in the woods. That caught me by surprise. How, how'd that happen? I thought it was like just like grass, right? It looked like I was just stepping into like knee length grass. But apparently it was a bunch of dead grass over a deadfall that was over a big fucking hole. And so I stepped forward confidently thinking I was gonna be on oh. solid ground and yeah. instead fell down into this little fucking ravine that was like ten feet deep. That's the way people die, man. I, I laid there upside down reflecting on that for a little bit. Yeah, you got to. Like it like like what like Seriously, yeah. like, somebody's gonna show up there and find your dead body, and they're gonna be like, what did this dumbass do? <laughs> <laughs> no shit, right? I was wearing full winter gear with, like, reflective ski goggles also, so I look like a fucking, I look like vigilante, basically, all in black. It's like, if your life was a video game, it would have flashed, like, <laughs> Joe Stark was defeated by grass, you know? Like, <laughs> wasted by gravity. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It was fucking shocking, though, dude. Like, yeah. When you expect to be standing on solid ground, and all of a sudden yeah. you're mm-hmm. falling. Yeah. It was, it was frightening. Yep, yep, yep. I know. It's crazy. Oh, that's like the worst one. Like it's like if you're going down the steps, like down into a dark room, and like you think there's another, like, or you think you're gonna <laughs> hit the white. Like you're thinking, like, okay, next is the floor, but there's like two more steps because you can't see. Yeah, oh, it's the oh, worst. Like, I know. Yeah, that shit sucks. That shit sucks. All right, that that killed about a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you hurt yourself, Joe? Yeah. We could have squeezed some content. <laughs> yeah, could have, this week could have been like, oh my god, guys, it's just me and June. We we haven't heard. <laughs> Joe's not answering <laughs> text messages. We haven't heard from Joe. Thirty minutes in, we. Joe's dad. Oh shit! An in memoriam episode. 
<laughs> Fuck. What? It is, oh, that's dark. <laughs> You're the one that wanted to like start off with something cute. Yeah, but then it then it can get the we can go dark with it. Let's talk about Joe's dead carcass for a good while. <laughs> Let's talk about our good friend Joe now dead. Come on, what's wrong with that? Yeah, about this time, coyotes are eating his face. There you go. That's what I want to hear. Fucking yeah. the big animals get it, Joe first, and when they get their fill, then like the small woodland creatures have to go at him, right? We got a fucking we got a squirrel taken off with one of his toes that looks like an acorn, you know. <laughs> You guys are so weird. This is like, Brian, when you said something like, if if I ever end up in, like, a Bucky from Captain America, like, situation where, like, I don't remember stuff, you tell, you were like, everyone just lie to me. Like, everything you say, just lie. <laughs> and I'm like, that's terrible. Why would you want that? What did I do? I don't, I'm not following. You know, Raleigh, you had mentioned something about, like, this is a while ago, but, like, you were talking about, um, I think I was maybe reviewing one of the Avengers movies, and, like, Bucky was in it, and you're like, if I ever lose my memory, like, Bucky, yeah. and, like, can't remember stuff, and you said, you told everyone, just then lie to me. Oh, yeah. Like, when I ask you stuff, just lie. And I remember listening, I'm going, Brian, why would you want that for yourself? Oh, God, why would I remember, why would I want to remember the life that I had? <laughs> like, it's that fucking awesome. Fucking make some shit up. I think the joke, I think someone joked, was like, you're going to talk about how Iron Man 3 is your favorite Marvel movie. That's fine. <laughs> fucking tell me. I, and then when I watch it, I'll be like, what the fuck was I thinking? What was wrong with previous me? <laughs> that's the silver lining but <laughs> that accident <laughs> let's jump let's uh we got good pop bad pop this week let's uh let's jump into this time for more leftover reviews with good pop bad pop good pop bad pop is where we talk about the things of the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read sometimes we rate these things and if this is your first time listening we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system the rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. First thing I want to talk about is we got a uh, <clears throat> Jurassic World Dominion trailer. So this is a... Uh the finale to this new trilogy now of course they uh i i i i think it was was it frank marshall that recently came out and said they're not done with drastic movies that they're still going to make them that this is just the uh the finale to this trilogy and uh yeah, I want to I want to talk about the uh, Jurassic World Dominion trailer. I had the, I knew it popped up and I was out and about, but I was like, I want to watch this on my TV. I want to watch it. I don't want to watch this on my fucking phone. You know, I want to watch it on my TV, and uh, so I watched it on my TV. But Joe, what did you think about the Jurassic World Dominion trailer? Oh, dude, it was it was a visual spectacle. Like I I was really blown away by it. I haven't seen Fallen Kingdom yet. Uh, I was a really big fan of the. The Jurassic World, though, that that first one of this trilogy, 
And this one just looks great. Um, all the scenes with the dinosaurs, you know, right up with humans in the real world and all the repercussions of that. Uh, the, the chase scenes that it was showing in Italy, uh, getting those legacy characters back. Uh, I'm really, really excited for this one. Like I, you know, I like Jurassic World, but I didn't, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, when Fallen Kingdom came out, I just, I wasn't that excited to see it and, you know, still haven't sought it out. But the first viewing of this trailer of, of Jurassic World Dominion, I'm fucking in, dude. I got to see this one in the theater. It looks amazing. Well, you might want to watch the the last movie. I, I it might be required viewing because of the way Copy the movie that. because of the way the yeah. movie ends, Joe. I think it's required viewing because of the way the movie ends. Now we got Colin Trevorrow back directing this one. He directed the first one, and of course he was then. Not able to work on the second one because he was doing the Star Wars movie, and we all know how that turned out. Um, well, he didn't get to direct that movie. They fucking fired him, and uh, then they got J.J. Abrams in there to uh, screw the pooch on fucking Rise of Skywalker. Anyway, but now they got uh, Colin Trevorrow back uh, directing this one. June, what did you think about Jurassic World Dominion trailer? <laughs> okay. I think it looks silly. Of course, come on. The whole concept is silly. Get out of here. As I'm saying, like it's just it's so ridiculous, right? But like, kind of looks like I'm like this is I'm like laughing. I, but I'm enjoying myself as I'm watching it, right? Like it does. It looks like I mean, it's gonna be a spectacle. Yeah. But I was like laughing. I was like, this is so stupid. But I really want to see it. It's not I stupid. It could be a lot of fun. I think it could be a lot of fun. Yes, it looks like it's fun. I mean, if somebody watches this trailer and they're just like, that looks stupid. That would never. No, it wouldn't happen. None of this would happen. <laughs> Star Wars would never happen. The Marvel Universe exactly. would never happen. And neither yeah. would Jurassic World. It would. About mm. the trailer. He was like, oh, my God. He was like, seriously? But that's what's fun about fucking fiction. I I mean, that's what's... I just think it looks like a shit fuck ton of fun. Huge budget on this one. You've got... You know, the, the, the new cast with, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt returning. And then, of course, uh, Jeff Goldblum and, uh, uh, Sam Neill and Laura Dern all returning from the legacy cast. It looks great. I, I Tupperware the trailer. As just far as the, I don't know how the movie's gonna be. I, we all know that I'm gonna love it though. It doesn't matter what the fuck <laughs> they do in these fucking movies as long as they give me big dinosaurs running around and doing shit. I fucking love it. I eat it up. Um, I, 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 it looks so, like so much fun. I, I cannot wait to see this one, especially like, you know, the fact that, what was it? Were they, uh, the, the dinosaurs showing up at the drive-in movie theater? Were they work, were they watching a Spielberg movie? I feel like they were watching like Jaws or something. Oh, I didn't catch that detail of what movie they were watching. No. Yeah, I Although, can't remember. You know what would have been cool though is if they were watching Jaws. And like, I guess when you see like the shark, it would have like the next part of the trailer would have been like that sea dinosaur, like eating, like like taking down that like lobster, like that crab cage, or yeah. that, you know, yeah, oh, that was the fishing awesome. boat. That would have been a really good like. I wonder, I mean, if that, yeah, that'd be kind of cool if that's how they did the trailer. Yeah, I'm really looking forward. To it. it comes out June. I cannot wait for June. I cannot wait to see this movie in the theater in IMAX, a hundred percent in IMAX. <laughs> oh my god! And if there's a 3D showing of it, I'll be watching it in 3D as well because um, the 
this, the, yeah, the, the water scene. Uh, that looks like it would be insane in 3D. There's a lot of great, like the, especially the shit in Italy, it looks like it'd be great in 3D. I, I cannot wait for Jurassic World Dominion. It just looks oh, like a lot of fun. Walk is back in this one. I noticed that. He's oh yeah, yeah, trailer. I caught that too. He was in the trailer, but just like, it was so fast, but like I was like, Beanie Wong is back. Do you think he's gonna finally get eaten now that he's revealed to be a villain? Yeah, I hope Yeah, so. you'd think, I think at he's some point. Have to. Yeah, yeah, he, he's got to get killed by his creation at some point because he was the one who really brought all this. And now, if oh, they're it's in, all his fault. yeah, it's if all they're his in fault. our it's world, that crazy, that crazy chameleon, crazy Velociraptor T Rex hybrid that caused all the all the park to like collapse <laughs> and destroy everything and kill people. And have we ever gotten dinosaurs in the snow? I mean, visually, that looked incredible watching them run through that snow-dusted landscape. Have you never watched Ice Age, Joe? <laughs> have you never? Jurassic movie. <laughs> I'm fucking with you, Joe. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Couldn't you hear the sarcastic tone in my voice there? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but I mean, wasn't, like, the dinosaurs, like, they can't, like, right? Like, they wouldn't survive in the cold. I'm sure they wouldn't die immediately. No, but I mean, like, it would be, like, it would be back to, like, the, I guess, essentially certain, like, types of dinosaurs, but, like, yeah, when I saw them running through the snow, I was cool, but I was like, oh, like, that's, that's not good for the dinosaurs. I'm worried about Blue, because, like, in the trailer, they're like, we gotta hide Blue and take his, you know, make sure, oh my god, I, I love Blue. And the baby, in the, and in, in the little baby. Okay, okay, yeah, the little baby, too. The cute, the cute little lizard baby. The cute killing lizard baby yeah. is super adorable. Yes, cute lizard babies. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm like, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Looks like a lot of fun. He's he what, what the he was he was riding them uh, dinosaurs again. Wasn't he riding one? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> he was riding a horse at the beginning. Oh, he was riding a horse. Okay. Okay. Like, no. like, that is like... Well, I want to see him riding the dinosaur. I know. <laughs> I think that would lose. I think that would be kind of that. What that's what would break the movie. No, that'd be like, oh my, that's the natural progression of the series. Now we're riding them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Uh, Peacemaker. Uh, this was uh, episode. Was this episode six or seven that came out? Seven. Seven. I'm just going to say, uh, this is my favorite episode of the entire series. Out of all the, yeah, and all of them are Tupperwares. All the episodes are Tupperwares, in my opinion. But this is like the best of the best, in my opinion. I, Agreed. I, I fucking feel like when it was all said and done with, I'd watched 45 minutes, whatever it was. And there was so much packed into the episode. But it, it was so much fun that I felt like I had only been watching it for 20 minutes. I was like, it's over already? And then I was just like, by. it flew by because it was that much fun. This is probably the best episode of anything I've seen all year. It was fantastic. I absolutely, I Tupperware the fuck out of this and I can't wait for next week. It's the finale. And, um... Yeah, I, I can I cannot wait. What was uh Yeah, My Time to Shine Hello had uh the the rumors for the for the finale that were one was like a farting contest. One was like Yeah, we haven't seen that yet. One was well, it was for the finale. And then 
one was the Justice League, and then there was another tease. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if those things make it into the episode because uh, my time to shine hello on Twitter has been right so far about all the predictions in Peacemaker because on January 3rd, um, she posted Viola Davis is in Peacemaker. Another thing you'll get to see in Peacemaker is a giant worm, which we saw this episode, the cow. That was the cow. The giant worm that she's referring to is the cow. And then on January 4th, she posted, Danielle Brooks, Leota Abadayo is Amanda Waller's daughter, and Peacemaker's dad is actually the villain White Dragon. So those things were, like, posted on Twitter on January 3rd and 4th, respectively, and the show hadn't even premiered. It premiered on January 13th. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the fart contest and how the Justice League pops up in this thing. Oh, that would be incredible to get some other DC heroes come in. Oh man! Just have him totally crash the party because it'd be so unexpected. Yeah, and and getting to see what James Gunn would do with those characters would be fantastic. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm right on the same page with with you though. This episode was a Tupperware. I've Tupperware every one of them this season so far, but this episode was fucking perfect. Yeah, I mean it had everything that you would want in an hour of television. You know, it had all these great emotional moments. It had. Um, the, the background scenes showing Peacemaker when he was a kid were so poignant into showing why he is the way he is now and, and how he's been evolving throughout this show. The funny scenes in this and, I mean, we're fucking top notch, man. This, the, the bit with the raccoon, you know, whenever you're gonna let James Gunn put a raccoon in something, you know, it's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and the, the fight scenes in it were so fucking, just so fucking great. I just, I loved it. When, when he was running away, out of the forest when he was running away from the the uh, white supremacist group uh did it remind you of like indiana jones running yes. away at the beginning <laughs> yeah, of the beginning of raiders at the beginning of raiders that's what, totally what it reminded me of absolutely <laughs> oh my god and i loved the scene with um with judo master hanging out outside that convenience store yes it was so then he does that little dance in the guy's face Dude, if we need proper peacemaker figures, like proper, because I, like, I want just figures on, like, I don't have to have, like, I don't have to have, like, you know, of course I want a peacemaker figure. Of course I want, like, a judo master figure and a vigilante figure, but I want a John Economos figure. Excellent. <laughs> you know, John Economos and then put it quotes underneath it, dye beard, you know, or something like, and have him like, give him accessories, like a fucking bloody chainsaw, you know? Yes. <laughs> That's what I was going to say to a bloody chainsaw. Uh, James Gunn needs to talk to Todd McFarlane and we can fucking get some peacemaker fucking figures. That would be incredible. Oh my God. Uh, June, are you watching peacemaker? Yes, I am. It's, I'm actually I'm liking it a lot because um I I didn't dislike like the Suicide Squad that came out last summer. I mean I thought it was fine, um, but I wasn't so I wasn't that excited about Peacemaker. But then I everyone was talking about how great it was, so I started watching it and I loved it even just from the beginning, like just the whole interaction with Peacemaker and the uh, custodian at the hospital. Like that conversation itself, that very first thing just like hooked me in. And then that opening dance sequence, I'll, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I'll be honest, and then like Eagly. Eagly's great. Eagly. Like that first episode actually might be my favorite one just because like 
it was like so many things in a row that was just amazing. I warmed up like, on the dance sequence. When I first saw it, that first episode, I was like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> and oh my God. Fucking brilliance. Oh, hold on, hold on. No, that's the, that's, that's the thing. Like when I first saw it, I was like, what the fuck am I watching? And then like the next week came around and I let it play again. And I noticed like other things going on that I didn't notice the first time. And then then finally, I'd say by like the fourth time I'd watched it when the episode starts, I'm like, why do I love this now? (laughs) <laughs> like why do I and I watch it more every time it comes on I'm the opposite some people like fucking like hated it from the beginning and they just hate it or some people loved it from the beginning I it grew on me like to the point now where it's like every time I watch it I'm like looking for something new in it you know and the song's grown on me I love the song oh yeah yes so I, it's just so good I mean this is like I mean this is all like the James Gunn, like just that snappy, really irreverent, but hilarious dialogue. Like just, I love it. Just the back and forth, like having an ensemble cast that has so much, like they work so like all the characters work so well together. Um, Vigilante is my favorite character because he is so random and just odd I don't know. There's something about him where, like, you know, like I don't want that. I like I want him to be safe, and I'm like, no, not vigilante. He's he's a well. He's just like it's like having a dim-witted serial killer on the team. Yes, <laughs> but like he just the things that he says, like the whole like oh when he's hiding behind the dumpster. I think it was like the third, fourth episode or something, and then he's like talking to hardcore and he was just like what are you a psychiatrist it's like just this whole thing like oh my gosh it just i don't know he cracks me up and um although i would like okay i would like someone to give judo master like an apple you know a nice piece of grilled chicken because i'm really starting to worry about judo master's eating habits you guys because <laughs> it's all flaming hot all, cheetos <laughs> or cheetos Hey, somebody give this man a carrot like for real. All I'm saying is that enjoy it now, Judo Master, because once you hit your 40s, you can't you can't do that shit anymore. So yeah, but it's like it's hard because when he was outside the convenience store, he was eating the Cheetos again. I, I really I got this like ten, it was the same in Hawkeye with the dog like. At some point, I was like episode three and I was like, go to your goddamn bodega. Kate Bishop and get a bag of dog food because they were feeding dog <laughs> shit the whole season. And I was like, it gave me severe anxiety because like they kept giving it pizza off like pizza dog. But I'm like, that's funny the first time because you were like in a jam and like whatever, like it's all you had. But like, no, go, if you can put labels on arrows, you can go down stairs and grab a bag of dog food from your bodega. Like seriously. And so it just gave me huge anxiety. June, June. If that's I'm giving like, you, give him food. No, if that's giving you anxiety, you're <laughs> watching. If that kind of shit's giving you anxiety, you're watching TV all wrong. I don't know. <laughs> There's no hope for you. Why? Like, I, just, well, I don't want the puppy to die, and I it's like Judo Master. I don't want him to like get diabetes. I mean. <laughs> 
All right. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't even know where we're going with this. I. You know, oh my god. I. I. This. This episode was just fucking. It, it's one of the best fucking things I've seen. Uh. You know. We're only couple months into the year but it it, it's it's up there it's my favorite thing so far i think this this is about as perfect of an episode as you can get um i know that we are question though hang on i have a quick question oh oh you're you're gonna you hold on shut the fuck up brian i got a question don't (laughs) brian don't hold on to that thought you've been trying to get out for the last 10 minutes while june's been talking about judo master possibly getting diabetes brian brian i got a question no Okay, I do. So, I don't understand the whole diary thing. Like, what? I don't understand what. Like, what? What is? It's, what it's the, the cover point? for their operation, so that it they, it doesn't look like a covert ops team oh, has done this. It's okay, supposed I, to look like Lo- Peacemaker was doing this as a lone wolf operation. Oh, okay, okay. So I I don't know how I I don't know what I just did not pick up. I was like I'm not quite sure what the point of this is. But okay. Are we are we good, June? Are you you're caught up? Sorry. Can I'm I? Sorry. I just, can I? On my mind. I was I was curious. Can I do my show now? Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> I apologize. I'm fucking with you. Um, I you know like they've been talking about uh, James Gunn is saying you know he wants to do a spinoff of another Suicide Squad character. A lot of people have been saying Ratcatcher two probably going to get her own series. Uh, probably not Idris Elba and and uh, or uh, um, uh, Margot Robbie as you know their characters from the Suicide Squad. Um, I was listening to Mark Bernard on Fat Man Beyond, and he he was thinking it could be a prequel series for uh, Polka Dot Man. Ooh, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? I would I would like to see more Polka Dot Man. What about um, Jill Kinnaman's character? Uh, we, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, with with for all mankind and and, but I mean, he was able to do the other stuff. I don't think so. I loved his character, Rick Flag. Um, I was sad. Spoilers for the Suicide Squad. I was sad when the character died because I actually he was probably my favorite part of the original suicide squad movie that yeah that that that, that came out yeah he's he was my favorite actually I, he was actually my favorite character in like when i watched the suicide Squad, the most recent one like i i really liked him oh mine was mine was polka dot man i loved david, <laughs> he was david funny too. i love david dusmalkin um but uh a lot of people are, i'm i'm still i'm still leaning towards a rat catcher too series are you guys are you guys thinking of anybody in particular no that one makes the most amount of sense because i mean she was really endeared to fans were really endeared to her character mm-hmm. and um you know like you said it's it's a little bit harder to think that you know margot robbie or maybe idris elba would come back it'd be great to see them in something but i don't think they would sign on for something that would be a full series yeah yeah maybe a mini series Maybe like a one-off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you never know. The way that television is these days, you know, it's not. It isn't like they'd be signing up for something on de- daytime television. You know, if you're signing on to a television show on something that's on HBO, HBO Max, you know, it's got the budget and everything behind it. It's not 
that same as being like, oh, you're doing a TV show like it was, you know, back in the day. So, I mean, you could, to, you know, with the Marvel shows on Disney Plus, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like the Marvel shows, we're not we're not getting a we're not getting a, you know, it's not like we're getting a Thor show with fucking Chris Hemsworth or That's you know true. a Captain America show with Chris Evans. We're getting like this. I'm not I'm not saying like Z list characters. I'm just saying like characters like. You know, Loki's probably the biggest name so far, I would think, as far as a character getting their own show. And then I would then I would say Scarlet Witch. Um, but uh, Hulk and She-Hulk, right? I mean, isn't Mark Ruffalo? Yeah, but it's like, She-Hulk. A regular cast member. I don't know how many. They haven't told. They haven't given this how many episodes the show's going to be, and also how many episodes he's going to be in. Uh, I thought he was like co-starring with her, kind of. Uh, we'll see. We don't a hundred percent know. I mean, it's it's more Tatiana Maslany show. Um, yeah. So. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But, oh, another thing um, that I wanted to, to bring up is, like, Peacemaker Season 2. That's a thing. That's happening, right? Like, it, like they're having serious discussions about it. He's well, hoping. I hope so. I want to see, like, in this season, we've gotten a lot of flashbacks of, like, you know, uh, Peacemaker's past. Season 2, I really think that they need to dive into Harcourt's past. Because... There's, she's yes. so mysterious. She's super mysterious. And I think, like, you know, with this season, we've had characters with daddy or mommy issues. Of course, you've got Peacemaker with the daddy issues. You've got, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Leota with, uh, you know, the mommy issues from, you know, her mom being Amanda Waller. I would like to see... I don't want to see daddy issues with Harcourt and maybe that's what they'll give us, but I would rather find out like maybe she was like an orphan or something and just kind of fell into this work, you know, and uh, I would, I want to see a lot more about her past and where she came from. She's super mysterious in the show and she's always like got a chip on her shoulder sitting at that bar at the end of the night. And it's like, what is going on with her? She's starting to finally open up. And we saw that this episode where she started to, she's starting to get into stuff, some of the, the glam rock and shit. And which was, <laughs> yeah. which is really bad cool. time to rock and roll. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that was that, this episode of Vigilante's like, you know, it's never a bad time to rock and roll and they're trying to escape in the car. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then Peacemaker's like, no, no, this is one of those times. Yeah. I, I, I was so glad he said that because it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Yes. This yeah. is a bad time. Because the yes, no questions. <laughs> it's like the only yes or no questions. The very first question is that's asked by Vigilante. Who has it? Did your favorite color deal? <laughs> Somewhere, so, so I couldn't understand anything. You were giggling so much. I, I think I'm I could. Sorry. I, I'm thinking, like the whole yes no game of vigilante. Like the first question he asked is in a yes no. Oh yes, yes, yes. Is your favorite color teal? Like not yeah. understanding how the yes no concept works. Yeah, he's he's fucking thick. He's an idiot. Um, <laughs> let's talk. I mean, you also want, but you also love him. Like you want him to be safe. I've also been listening to the the playlist that James Gunn put together on Spotify. I do. Fucking it's nonstop. Amazing. It is so good. The music he's been picking out for this has just been spectacular. Oh he's god. So good. He, this is his for like he this is he's so good at it picking the right music for Oh that the monster right song. Yeah, that monster song that was in the, the closing scene of the last episode. Oh, I've been listening to that one nonstop. 
Um, did you? <laughs> I love the post credit scene for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't remember it. What was it? <laughs> it was Captain Locke being a goofball up at yeah. the podium. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Um, I loved so him trying to cry over the body at the last episode oh, too. <laughs> He's such a weird dude. Now, the one, you know, what I do love because, like, it's this is like it's a ridiculous show, right? And it's violent, and it's you know, kind of like an oddball sense of humor, but there's, there is some emotion to it though. Like I think John Cena, like very incredibly kind of sells this, but I guess the hurt, you know, that Peacemaker like is constantly carrying around, you know? Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. he's, and I think he's so good at balancing that. Like, Oh gosh, was it two episodes ago? Like when it ends with him playing the uh, Guns N' Roses song, the Guns N' Roses song. Like on the piano? Mm. Oh no, that was that was Motley Crue. That was, that was last Motley episode. Not, yeah, when he's like playing the piano, I don't know why I thought Guns and Roses. Um, but it, yeah. it was just a really beautiful scene, actually. Yeah. Not all, not all, not all. Uh, you know, eighties rock bands are the same, Jen. Yeah. sure. <laughs> I know they all can't be docking. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, let's see here. Let's move on into uh, the book of Boba Fett, which had uh, its uh, finale. And, Featuring uh, Boba Fett. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, it's weird because there are so many things in this episode that I absolutely hated, and then the, there's a lot of things that I absolutely loved. Um, it's a weird one for me. Um, I would say because of that, because there's like this really weird mix of like things that I absolutely loved and things I hated. I'm just going to give it a solid taste. It it's right down the middle for me for the book of Boba Fett, as far as the finale is concerned. Overall, I think the whole series is, is a tasted as well. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into it. I mean, there's there's two episodes that I absolutely loved. I, I loved five and six. I thought that they were incredible, but they weren't really Boba Fett episodes. So, um, and yeah, um, I mean, I guess we can open this one up. Joe, what did you think about the book of Boba Fett? I think that this finale was like a perfect, like like a condensed little thing of like kind of what the entire series was. Like it had these really high highs in it and these other parts that just kind of left me scratch in my head. Um, There there were things that I really loved in this finale. And then there were other things that I could absolutely do without cheap, like chiefly among those, that mod gang. I just, they they don't do it for me. (laughs) They, They don't look like they fit every time they're in the fucking scene i'm rolling my eyes at them for whatever reason they take, do they take you out of the show they take me out of the show they, they certainly take me out of fucking that dusty desert town setting exactly. they just don't look okay. like they they would be perfectly situated in coruscant but but not not here <laughs> like, it's so weird and then and then also it's like everybody's been pointing this out online too and it and it, i noticed it right away in the episode it's like why did why did dude do that little spin before he had to shoot that was so dumb oh my gosh the, their reasoning of of why they need to stay in the sanctuary to fight because they need to protect the town it's like so you're gonna do the fight in the middle of the town exactly you, you're not gonna draw the pikes out to the middle of the fucking desert where, where boba's fortified palace is that you can fight because you've got what eight people on your team 
it's like oh my god it was just some of the choices in this which were fucking bonkers but then there was also just these amazing highs in the episode that i absolutely loved like you know we all speculated when this din din Djarin and grogu reunion is going to happen and to actually see it in this episode and then also like we got to see the most adorable use of the force ever he force jumped he force jumped into his arms and then oh it, come it was, on it was so touching. That was touching. That was, hold on. June, 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 se- June, 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 June. We, we, June, you've got, no, you, there's like this laugh track going on as Joe's talking. <laughs> so, um, listen, that was cute. I, I just think that there's better ways to reveal Grogu in this episode than doing that, him hugging him on a rickshaw. Like, and, it, and it made that reunion that we were all wanting to see. It, it really rushed it. And, yeah. and like Pelimoto even said, like, oh, no time for your tender moment. It's like, uh, excuse me, we all want this tender moment. Yeah, so I didn't it was, want it. It was an odd place to put it. You know? my, in my opinion, what would have been way more cooler is if that fucking rickshaw, he's wrapped up in a blanket. That rickshaw gets fucking, you know, knocked off course, flying in the air, crashes. They all come out. And then that blanket rolls right in front of, um, you know, uh, one of those destroyers, uh, those Scorpinex. They, they look like the destroyers from Phantom Menace, but they're huge, right? Yeah. And it lands right in front of one of the Scorpinex droids. And, uh, we don't know that Grogu's in the blanket. And then that blanket's like right in front of it. And then Grogu comes out of the blanket, fucking sees the big destroyer droid. The Mando sees him. He's too far away to help him. And then Grogu just crushes the thing using the Force. That would have been like, oh, my God. That would have been incredible. He just left training with Luke. There's no reason that that we couldn't have got, like, a cool action sequence there with Grogu as opposed to what we fucking got. I mean, I, I felt like a lot of the action in this, for as fun as, like, the the Rancor stuff was... Some of it was just dumb. Some of the choices that they made with some of the action in this was just dumb, in my opinion. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Some of the choices were absolutely fucking dumb from a tactical standpoint. And also, it's like, it was very cool. And, and we all knew that, that Bobo was going to be riding that Rancor after after episode three. You know, it, it became Chekhov's Rancor. It's like, okay, when is it going to be coming back in? Yeah. But also, he had to go back to his palace to get it. His fucking... His gunship was back at the palace too. I was thinking the exact same thing. Fucking flying with that gunship and lay waste to the whole fucking street. Like it's like oh yeah, there there were some wild choices in this that when you take a step back, it you know beyond the spectacle and and really start thinking about it, it's like these really didn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, I I did love seeing Boba Fett using his knee rockets again in this one. That was very cool. Yes. I love that pose. You know, yeah. it's almost like he just kind of stops and like holds his knee up very deliberately. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, June, I love seeing Grogu too, but I just thought it was the dumbest way to introduce him back into the episode. Okay. And so, you know what? You, your version, like what, like of the, uh, uh, like Baby Yoda reveal, or I guess reveal to Mando, right? Like, instead, okay, that was better than what we got. Like, that, that, that is a much better idea. But that, because that little force jump, though, like, I hate to say it, but yeah, your version's better. But I did love 
a little forced jump. I got, I got, I, I felt, li- I felt little butterflies in my stomach too. But after everything, the way that it played out, I was right. just like, oh my god. Been the way that you, oh, I was just said, it, like that would have been a better way. But um, yeah, you know, it, this, this this whole series boggles my mind just because of again how it was structured. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, episodes five and six were the best episodes, but. This, about like I don't know it, they just it wasn't a really I mean they were there was a Mandalorian episode and um, yeah <laughs> I mean they were and being at least the whole series I wonder like in the like the first like three the first four episodes mm-hmm. you know it was the same formula that like we start in the present and what's going on and then the majority of the episode is like flashbacks and then we have like five minutes back in the present and that's how all the first four episodes worked and it just felt like the story was going nowhere which is what I was getting frustrated with and looking back I mean I kind of wonder like why couldn't we have just done this like chronologically like why couldn't the show have just started off with him getting out of the Sarlacc pit and then you know getting captured by the Tuscans and all of that and then finding Fennec I think you know, it, like, I, th- then, I think it, cause I think if you did yeah. it that way, then when you get to the Mandalorian episodes, it's like, okay, now we're caught up. I, th- I think, I, yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think it's, I think that that would have worked. <laughs> um, I do. I think that that would have worked just shown everything kind of chronologically, I guess. I don't. I, it, or even if you like start the first episode, right? Like the first like scene is like in the present. Or, like, the first episode gives some stuff, but then, like, you just kind of go straight into, you, you know you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the first it's a delicate stuff, so balance, because then you're going to have people that are just pissed off that every episode is just, like, showing us what's happening in the past. Can we get, what what happened to that whole storyline where he's, you know, he's the new <sighs> daimyo of the fucking, you know, of the city. He's the new crime lord. Can we get to that stuff? You'll just have, I don't know, it's... It is, it's a delicate balance and I think that they didn't do it well. I will agree with you mm-hmm. that it wasn't done yeah. well. I, I don't think the two Mandalorian episodes, like, I don't think it would have felt as jarring if they'd done it chronologically. At least that's just for There's me, just like, a lot of things that didn't work, in my opinion, as far as like, you know, all the Tusken Raiders are, are, you know, slaughtered by the pikes. Um, we find out later that it wasn't the, you know, the biker gang, but it was the Pikes and like all, all that stuff kind of like, I'm thinking to myself, he's got an attachment to the Tusken Raiders and they're like, now he's got like this attachment to the people in Mos Vespa. Like he feels like he owes it to these people. Like he's got this connection, this connection that I have never seen. Is right. it, okay. but, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm trying to, let me finish my thought. Let me finish my thought. Sorry. No, it's fine. I, I love your excitement. Love your energy level. It's just, it's just like, I need to get this out. So now I lost my train of thought. Um, I'm sorry. The connection to the most Espa to like the city, the city. And he's like, but like, I don't feel like if, if the connection that he has to the people in this town and protecting them, if that has to do with like how he let down the Tuscans, I didn't see them. I didn't see this show 
show that to me through the story of why he now has a connection to the people of Mosespa. I did, though, appreciate the fact of everything that they did here with his final showdown with Cad Bane. I felt like that tied in really well if you're familiar with the character from the Clone Wars and you're caught up there. If not, then a lot of this shit just went by you because, I mean, if... But if you are familiar with that, the way that he defeats Cad Bane at the end, I thought was fantastic because Cad Bane pretty much kind of like a mentor slash father figure to him after his father Django was killed. And I mean, he knew all of Boba Fett's tricks and moves and everything. And what, what Cad Bane has killed when, um, when Boba Fett uses the gaffy stick and uses the stuff that he learned from the Tuscans. And I felt like that was very cool because it was like, okay, well, you haven't seen this before. You you don't know that I can do this. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take you out with some of the new tricks that I've learned along the way. And I thought that that was very cool. But, um, so much of the, so much of like why he wanted to, to, I don't know, to make things better for people to be in this a town. Daimyo. This is my whole point. It's like he wanted to be a daimyo, but like the very first episode, he's like, I'm going to be like the big crime boss. But then, so, but then he wants all the drugs out of the city and he wants to make the city a better place. He, he it, wants to do it differently than the other people that have been daimyos have done it. Come in, but then come in going, I want to be a crime boss. Like, I, Well, I think some of that... Well, some of it's answered at the very end of this episode where he's like, he, he's talking to Fennec Shand at the very end and he's like, we are not suited for this. And then Fennec Shand says, if not that, if not us, then who? So at this point, it's like, does, does he just say, okay, well, if not us, then who? Oh, it just has to be us. I don't think that's the case. I'm hoping that like by the time we see Boba Fett again, he's like, he, Give somebody else power in in Mosespa. Now that all the crime lords, all three of the crime syndicates are have been taken out. Um, so I'm what ho- he should do instead is the New Republic should make him a marshal. I think because that he, he he wants to be less a crime boss than somebody who takes care of the people around him. So it's like yeah, marshal. Well, He's I, helping out Cobb Vanth already. I know, think in the back to, back to tank. I think Cobb Vanth should just be the marshal. So of the, of like the whole planet instead of just the his area. Yeah, I think yeah, him and like get some get some of the other guys from Freetown. You know what I mean? Kind of like in Young Guns where they just start making you know guys marshals and shit. Like, yeah, you know. Now uh, going back to Cad Bane. After he, he gets stabbed, he's laying there and there's a mm-hmm. red flashing light on his chest. Yeah. I think, and this is also me hoping, is that he's not actually dead and that we're yeah. going to get more of him. Because he was such a powerful force in the Clone Wars series that to see him debut in live action and then bite it in the following episode was a little bit of a disappointment. Even though that whole showdown was incredible, Yeah, I just don't want to see this be the end of him. I want more of Cad Bane because he is an incredible bad guy to come in and he can work so well playing these different sides and stuff. He's a very, very great character. And and I don't want to see this be the absolute end of him. But who is going to 
come and get his body and basically Maybe he's droid. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because already, those tubes that he's got on him I know. go around and they go directly into his lungs. Mm-hmm. So basically he can breathe, you know, without using his, his esophagus. Yeah. And he's got a plate on his head from a, an unaired uh, Dave Filoni script where him and Boba had dueled mm-hmm. and he got shot in the head. So, yeah. I mean, you know, he has this history built into his character that he has these different modifications. Who knows, you know, what his – I mean, he's an alien, so who knows if – you know, if you stab a person right there, it's game over. But who knows with him? Yeah, so, yeah. I, it's it's one of those things where, and didn't he have like lights blinking on his chest and shit like yes. that? Yep. Yeah. So it seemed yeah. like there was some sort of beacon, like like a rescue beacon. Or yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I was just like, uh, I, you know, with this like, um, with these episodes feeling so much like, you know, a lot of it feels very samurai. A lot of it feels very western. I was surprised that we didn't see like the children from Mos Espa come out there and just like start taking the clothes off his body and the hat. You know, like oh, that'd have been dark. I don't yeah. want that. Remember, like but, in the know, scene, and I don't want to see him die. <laughs> oh, what was the scene in the Sam Raimi western movie where you know the guy who had all like the fancy clothes? Oh, um, the Quick and the Dead. The Quick and the Dead. Yeah, yeah. But they like, you know. I just feel like, I mean, I don't know if we're getting a season two of a Boba Fett show. No, I don't think we're getting, I don't think we're getting another season of Book of Boba Fett, but we are going to see, uh, Mando and Boba and Ahsoka and all these characters in, in Mando season three and in the Ahsoka series. I think they'll all come back together for another series. The way they did the finale, it almost seemed like, I feel like they did things to like remove like part of like maybe separating, you know, the team, right? Um, like for saying that like like, you know, Fennec leaves for like twenty minutes, right? Like it's like they needed to give like enough stuff for Boba to like look cool. I mean, it yes. seemed like yeah, to me, totally they were sort of removing certain elements around like Boba so he would so he could shine finally, like in his own sh- or something. you know, it just because Fennec does disappear. Like, she's gone for, like, 15 minutes. And so, um, I just thought that was kind of weird. And then kind of, I don't know, glaring for me, at least, especially. It just it was just so many odd choices in the finale. And I think part of it, yeah, I, I think it could be due to, like, obviously COVID restrictions and things like that. And you have to sort of adjust due to the limit of people you can have on set at a time. But, um, I don't know. I just thought, like, the garrison from Freetown... Like, like ten people, every guy, you know, <laughs> like like that, and then also Mando just like, I mean, I feel like Tom Man didn't really give a definite, like a definite answer. Like he wasn't like, okay, sure, we'll be there. And Mando goes back to Boba and is like, yeah, they'll be here. And Boba even says like, are you sure? And Mando's like, yeah, yeah. I, I just, do. I just, I. Well, here's the thing, I. Listen, listen, when it comes to the Mandalorian, he's very much kind of like this. He's very much a man of like Mandalorian armor, uh, honor, excuse me. And I think that he maybe is trans like projecting that onto other people. Like he just believes that other people will have that same honor, you know, because that's that's who he is. You know, when he gives you his word, he gives you his word. Like we saw him. He's going to help Boba out here. He didn't take payment for it. He did it for free. Right. And it's just because I think like with, you know, the, his Mandalorian creed and he's very like what I mean, he fucking does like he does 
go out there for money and pick up bounties and shit. But when you have his word, you have his fucking word. And right. so I think that he kind of just projected like how <laughs> – how he would have handled it if he was Cobb Vanth and not really knowing a hundred percent who Cobb Vanth is. But, and I don't know if Cobb Vanth, hold on. I don't know if Cobb Vanth would have showed up with the people of Freetown had it not been for Cad Bane showing up and shooting right. them. That's exactly. So, but like, you're going back and you're like, all right, so yeah, we got, we got people coming and you're just like, oh my God. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's just, I think that's just naivety. I just think that's him being naive and not, you know, and not realizing that not everybody has like the same Mandalorian creed and honor that he has. Yeah. So right. I, I mean, he, I, he's a, he's a foundling and he's got this Mando creed and I don't, you know, I, I I think that he was hoping that he'd formed enough of bond with Cobb Vanth that, yeah, that he, and I don't know. At the end of the day, if Cobb Vanth, if none of that shit with a Cad Bane would have happened, I don't know if Cobb Vanth and the rest of the guys would have been there. But we do know that Cobb Vanth was going to have a meeting with everybody in Freetown. So I think that he was seriously right. going to let the people, um, you know, he was going to lay it all out to them and, and let them decide. But other things happened and they did show up and it was lackluster when it happened. So, yeah, exactly. yeah. I got a question for you. When, when Black Chrysanthemum uses the finally uses the back to tank, like, like he's totally clogging that tank up with fur. Like that yeah. thing is he's <laughs> that's a will need to be changed. It's a great way to destroy the tank, and it like it, it to, it's got to avoid the warranty on that fucking thing at the end of the day, right? <laughs> like they all take turns. Like it's like they have like a little chore wheel, right? And like it's your turn oh, it's to like, uh, clean the back to tank, and it's like oh, it's God, like using like right after he used it. It's like, like checking the it. drain after my ex wife took a shower. It's just like it looks like you pull it up, and it looks like fucking. It from fucking the Adams family. It's just like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Jesus, that came out of your head? Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, the whole thing with, uh, the, the crime, the, no, the, the people of Freetown having like this kind of like rivalry with the mods and they kind of like have to work together in this thing. It like, that kind of was like, whatever. Like yes. they they brought it up for just City a moment folk versus country folk. <laughs> it was that was that didn't work for me. No. Um, oh, um, the fact that Luke. Let's talk about Luke's choice that he gives Grogu. Uh, um, the choice that he and whether to choose the the Mando armor or to choose the lightsaber, and. This is something I was listening to Fat Man Beyond and a lot of people are upset with like Luke and like how this all went down and blah, blah, blah. And, and this is what, um, somebody said, um, on Fat Man Beyond. It's the, it's the guy that, uh, that records the show and, and helps them do the live show. He like came on the show and he said that Luke wanted Grogu to choose the Mando armor. He wants him to choose the attachments because um, people are upset with Luke because it's like all the things that Luke did because of his attachments is like what helped at the end of the day. Like 
when he chose to go rescue his friends and leave his training early, when he chose to not, you know, attack his father, like these are all the, his attachments were like what were basically the things that like saved him in the galaxy at the, uh, by the, by the end of that trilogy. And so it's like, why is he having, you know, Grogu choose between, you know, a life of being a Jedi or a life of attachments and living, you know, either be a Padawan or a foundling. And the theory that he brought up was like, Luke brought that up to give him the choice. And Luke wanted him to choose the Mandalorian. He wanted him to choose his attachments because if he didn't, he would have been like Anakin, Anakin who like left his mother and she like, you know, she died. This is like, yeah, this is like, he's, we can kind of like look at Grogu as like the anti Anakin because he leaves his, he leaves his mother and she's killed by the Tuscans. Like what if Grogu was like, oh, well, fuck the Mando. I'm going to stay here and be a Jedi for the power, for all this power, which is like, that's what Anakin wanted. He wanted to be the most powerful Jedi, very, you know, kind of vain and very like power hungry and even like glares at the, at the council when they say he's too old for the training because, you know, he's, you know, very, very egotistical. And here's, and, and so Luke gives him this choice, you know, choose the attachments or choose a life of, you know, being the most, possibly the most powerful Jedi ever. And Grogu chooses a life of attachments with the Mandalorian. And so now, now it's not like Grogu finds out years later that the Mandalorian was killed in battle, you know, um, and then loses his shit, you know, it, Luke kind of like put this choice in front of him to, to see what he would choose. Is he going to choose the power or is he going to choose attachments? So I like that theory. I hope that we do find out later on, you know, in a future episode of hopefully Mandalorian season three, that like Luke put this choice in front of him because it had to be, he had to choose. Number one, he had to choose. And, and I, 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 I would love to find out that, that Luke had good intentions when he gave Grogu that choice. I, you have a way more positive outlook on Luke. No, 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 no. no. I went, I went cynical with all, with all the Luke. Sure. And, and most people are, most people are. And I'm not saying that this is it. I'm not even saying that this is my theory, but I am also saying that by the time we get to, we see Luke and what he's doing now. And then we see what that character's development is by the time we get to the last Jedi. So, I mean, I feel like Filoni and Favreau are trying to get us ready for, like, trying to show us why Luke turned into that guy who's fucking alone on Ock 2. So, why he kind of, like, really, really, really leaned on the old rigid Jedi ways, which I just, it's so frustrating to me because, like, with Ahsoka, you can kind of understand, right? Like why she still kind of holds on to the old, like no attachments and like this, that, the rigidity of the Jedi teachings. But she was like indoctrinated. Like she did train since she was a child. Like it's like she's been indoctrinated with it. I think it's, even though she's no longer a Jedi, like it's hard 
to let go. I think, of that. well, I, well so, she's, reject, she, she's rejected their teachings, though. That's why she she's. Has, but, like, the doctrine, though, like, the, the actual the actual doctrine she still holds on to. But, like, Luke didn't have training. He didn't do Jedi Academy. He, like, it's almost like he, he read the, he read the Cliff Notes or, like, Wikipedia, the Force, and then decides, like, I am now a professor in the Force. And I like have a PhD now. Like all I'm saying is, I think that I think Filoni and Favreau know this, and I think that they're setting it up for the future for us, for us right now to hate Luke, and then for us to love him again. That's all I'm saying. I think that we're. I guess, and then you can sort of empathize more with. If anybody knows these characters, uh, it's going to be these two guys, and so. So I think we're Luke getting did, set up. However, I'm sorry. Did however put you no know, Luke did however put Baby Yoda in a goddamn space. <laughs> I wanted exactly to ask you guys. I wanted to ask you guys how you felt about that. Do you think that that Luke did him dirty by just sending him only with R two? But also, R two is very fucking capable. Though, yeah. Also, <laughs> hold on. Here's yeah. I mean, he didn't just put it on autopilot. All right, and, and send him out. Here, here we go. I want to. I Handy Greg sent me a video. I'm going to play the audio to that video. June, keep it down so everybody can hear Handy Greg. Okay. All right. Here we go. Oh, why can't I hear him? Oh, it's on mute. Hold on. Here we go. Now we got it. I get that. Grogu made his choice and made- You guys can't hear it, can you? No. Hold on. Let me pause. I get that. Grogu made his choice and maybe Luke didn't like that, but is it responsible to put a fucking baby in a X-Wing with the goddamn robot? Like, what, what, what the fuck was Luke doing that he couldn't give Grogu a ride back? He was fucking watching the robots move rocks around? What the fuck was that? He sends Grogu back to the Mandalorian with, like, what today is is like a fucking Roomba dri- driving, driving the X-Wing. All the bad shit that could happen in space, and he's just like... Like, Grogu picks the chainmail and looks like, Fuck you, get off my fucking planet. Just odd. All right. That. Get that. <laughs> yes. Because, like, okay, R2-D2, yes, is capable. I mean, to me, it's like the equivalent of, like, sending an Uber to, like, pick your kids up from school. Yeah, the driver's an adult. No, he treated, he, hold on, he treated Grogu like it was a one-night stand. Like, he fucked him and then called him an Uber. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, listen, I'm going to work. You can't stay here. And yeah, so I don't know. Like adult supervision. <laughs> There's some money on the nightstand, baby. Kick rocks. Exactly. I I just felt like um, if you have Luke show up in this scene, he could have easily basically taken care of everything that was going on in the town. So like, that's not what you want to have here. So I just was like, okay, I'll let it slide. Whatever. But you you're know. right. You're you're no, you're totally right. It just but the, at the time watching it, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. I oh, I know. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And th- for the series to actually end with the last scene being the Mandalorian and Grogu when it's the Book of Boba Fett, like out <laughs> in space, I'm just like, what is going yeah. on here? 
Exactly. Um, like, even the post credit yeah. scene had nothing to do with Boba Fett. It was Cobb Vanth yeah. in the back to tank. Yeah. Yep. You're right. And um, the one thing I will say, so Mando still has, like, the ball from the Razor Crest that's now destroyed. When he hands him the ball to, like, when he tries to keep him safe, like, when they're all fighting and stuff, mm-hmm. and Mando hands Grogu the little ball, it hit me. I was like, because I watched it the second time last night. And when I watched it the second time around, I was like, it hit me. I was like, Mando's just been carrying that around in his pocket this whole time. Yeah. Like, as, like, a memento, like, of the thing that reminds him of the little baby Yoda. Like, it just, it, to me, I was just, I don't know, that really hit me when I watched it the second time around. I was like, that is so sweet. Yeah, he loves that little fucker. I know. Yeah. Although, when the, the end, the little lassie, when Grogu kept tapping the glass, I actually thought that it was because, like, Grogu wanted food, except they had, like, just had, like, McDonald's, like, supersized meals. Like, that's what I thought Mando was saying no to. Like, no, we literally just ate. Like, no. I don't just know had... That was just... That was my first thought, was, like, Grogu wants more food. So you just had a pile of dung worms. You're fine. Yeah. I read a uh, theory on uh, Fandom Wire. I want to know what you guys think of this one. This is a little out there, but... Uh... Um, this theory is the Mandalorian season three theory states Grogu will become the rightful heir to the dark saber. Yeah. I've wondered that too, just because it's like, all right, he didn't leave Luke's care with a lightsaber. We associate force users with using lightsabers. Din's having a hell of a time using it himself. It does make sense. However, it's that so thing's big. fucking big. It's so big. <laughs> it's so big. Like, the hilt is, like, half his size. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Because you'd think that that thing wouldn't have even looked right. And, like, imagine the do- the Darksaber in Yoda's hands. It-, it still seems like it would be too big because, you know, Yoda had, Yoda had like, a, a Yoda-sized lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's not like... I'm just picturing Grogu holding the lightsaber. And it's just the image in my head. Isn't really funny. Yeah, I don't know. Like, somebody's got to be. Somebody's got to be the heir to this dark saber. Is it going to be? Is it going to be Din Djarin? Is it going to be uh, Bo Katan? I mean, uh, I think it'll be Din because he's reluctant. Like he's the reluctant leader. Like he doesn't right. Like isn't like Bo Katan wants it. She seeks it. Yeah, yeah. But but. You know, Din doesn't like he doesn't want it. He this is something he wasn't even aware about. He didn't know what this was, and he's like, "No, that's not for me." But then he is because he's a more compassionate person, but also more capable. Like he, it, it would have to go to him. I would think. Yeah, I would love. I was. I would love Ahsoka to fucking train him on how to use. Oh, that would have been so cool. The dark saber. I know. I did see some jokes that like man is gonna like kind of like sheepishly go to like Luke and be like can you help me how do you can you teach me how to use this before we started recording I didn't get a chance to read it because um, I, I just saw it before we started recording but there was an article I think it was from like Screen Rant and they were like why why Moff Gideon was able to use the Darksaber and Din Djarin isn't you know how you know the why Moff Gideon used it so well and Din Djarin can't I didn't read it, but I should. 
I don't know. It, maybe it's all bullshit. But it did feel like Moff Gideon had a, you know, was able to use that thing no problem. He wasn't fucking cutting himself up with it and shit. That is true. That is true, because when he fought and Din had that spear. Yeah. Yeah, the the whole history of the Darksaber and, and how it gets heavier and stuff like that, It's that's that's still some pretty murky water. Because they cover it a little bit in Rebels when Sabine is learning how to to use it, and Jaren's trying to trying to teach her, and but but they they're not very definitive in it. I mean, they they kind of covered it more in in that episode five than than they because re- they just kind of touched on it a bit in Rebels. Mm. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's still like a, a stuff that they need to explore and and let us know more about as an audience. I think I, yeah, I think it'll be stuff. Hopefully, they'll get to in uh, Mando season three. So. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see him going and seeking out those springs on Mandalore to purify himself? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think it's going to be very Mandalore. I think it's going to be a very Mandalore specific, like, sort of like, I guess, focused season. That's my prediction. Yeah, we might even get a series called like Air of Mandalore, where it's just like, you know, who's going to be, you know, like this is the series we're going to find out who fucking takes the mantle. You know, we'll find out. We'll find out. Um, let's jump into, yeah, so Book of Boba Fett. I don't know. I'll give the whole season a, a just a solid taste it. The, um, I am leaning towards never let Robert Rodriguez close to Star Wars again. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to I see more Bryce Dallas Howard and, yeah. and the people that have been doing it and doing it right. Um, you know, it's just, it's like Rick Fukuyama. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, what's her, is it Deborah Chow? Yeah. Just let, 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 let them do it. And fucking Robert Rodriguez, just stay away from. <laughs> He's an EP. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. I noticed it like maybe not the finale, but like the last episode, I just actually was actually looking at the credits and, um, and I don't know why, but I never noticed that like he's listed as a, as an EP. Hmm. All right. Let's jump into, uh, some series, a series that dropped on Netflix, uh, on Friday, inventing Anna, uh, Vivian is tasked with digging into the case of Anna Delvey, the Instagram legendary German heiress who stole the hearts of New York's social scene and stole their money as well. But is Anna New York's biggest con woman, or is she simply the new portrait of the American dream? It's created and produced by Shonda Rhimes, inspired by the New York article, How Anna Delvey Tricked New York's Party People by Jessica Pressler. And we've got a cast here of uh, Anna Chumsky, Chlumsky, Julia Garner, and those are the two main people in the series. I'm I'm through three episodes. Joe, did you get a chance to watch any of this? Uh, yes, I've seen the first episode. Joan, um, I'm actually halfway through episode six. Okay, I this is uh, this is one of the and June, don't spoil this for me. Like I'm like I'm not. Please, no, it, I just, I, cause I know nothing about the true story. So I just kind of want to go into this cold. I, I'm scared to death that my mom's going to text me about this and be like, have you heard about this? And then lay it all out in a text message. Cause that's, my mom loves to do that kind of shit. But I'm through three episodes of this and I will say that, uh, um, 
I, this is super fucking addictive. Um, this is, this is a super addictive show. I, I absolutely love it. You've got Anna Chlumsky who's playing, um, this, this, uh, investigative journalist from the Manhattan who is doing this story on this woman, Anna Delvey, who had been conning, um, uh, people in the, in, in, like, that are elite rich. And through each episode, we get to see her interviewing different people that Anna had, that Anna was involved with in her life that she was either manipulating or taking money from. And we're starting to see like this, this story come together. And as, she, and, and, and all, and this whole time she's going to the prison and interviewing. Uh, Anna. And we find out that her real name's not Anna. It, uh, Anna Delvey, her real name's Anna. Was it Coronis? What is it? Sorokin? Sorokin. Sorokin. And, um, and we're finding out all this stuff. I'm through the third episode and like, this is a hundred percent a series that I'm going to be finishing. I, I just love how they're like, showing us little bits and pieces of different interviews that she's having with different people and then showing us these scenes play out and we're getting little bits and pieces and we're all, we're putting it together. And I think that Julia Garner, her character in this of Anna Delvey, like the way she's just a, she's just a mystery to me. Like, where does it, where does she come from? Who is this woman? Really? Who is this woman? Where does she come from? Because everybody that knows her just feels like she comes from money. She's just, she's very well educated. Uh, she, she feels like she belongs in these, in, in this circle of the elite rich. And it's just, it, this series is blowing my mind. I think Anna Chlumsky is doing a great job. And I was just a shout out. I'm, I know he's not got a big role in this, but. Anders Holm from Workaholics plays the husband. Yep. <laughs> and I was just, I was so happy to see him. I fucking love him. I listened to his podcast and, and, you know, he talked about being on this show. So it's nice seeing him in this, but I Tupperware this. This is so good. What is it? And each episode like an hour, hour plus. They're long. They're long. One episode, there's one episode that's like, oh, it's like an hour. The finale is an hour and 22 hour minutes. So one of the episodes, I want to say it's like the fourth episode is like an hour and 15 minutes. Well, the finale is like an hour and 22 from what I saw. Yeah. It's, so like yeah. long episodes. Yes. But it's so, this show is so addictive. Her, like at first her accent, I was like, what is going on here? Her accent sounds Russian, but it also sounds very German. And so like, yes. So I was like, what's going on with this accent? Is this just bad acting? And as you watch it, it's like, no, that's not the case. This is just, this story is compelling. And June, I know you told me about like, um, kind of like a companion documentary, doc, like a, it's part of a docu-series. Yes. I, um, it's th- on, um, HBO Max. That is something that I'm going, after I finish this, I'm a hundred percent going to be watching that. Cause like, I'm super intrigued. Joe, what are your thoughts on, um, the first episode of inventing, inventing Anna? Dude, I loved the first episode. I thought it was really great. Um, really loved the music in this too. Like it, it, it just, I don't know, that, that, that real bumping bass beat that was with it every time. It was, 
I don't know. I was grooving to it this morning when I was watching it. But, but yeah, it was a very, very riveting story from, from both ends, too, because with Anna, it's like, what the hell's going on with her? You know, yeah. It, throughout the whole first episode, and every time she talks to her, it's like the first time she goes and meets her in the prison, you know, she's like putting on this act of, no, poor me, poor me. And then the second time, she's like a little bit more defensive with her and outright to the point where it's like, you know, if, if you're not going to get me, you know, like a, a VIP type media visit here. I'm not even going to talk with you. And so you can tell how manipulative she is. And then on the journalist side also, it's like, I'm really concerned about her. You know, I mean, the, 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 the deal she's got going on with in her office, like her boss is like a total fucking dick and like her boss's boss isn't like really willing to seemingly do anything about it, but still kind of gives her a shot. So I'm really concerned with how it's going to go for well, there her. Is also. This, there's this, there's this whole, and I'm sorry to cut you off. There's this whole thing about her and her previous employer and how she had gotten a job. I think at Bloom was it Bloomberg. Yeah, and, you know, she was offered a job. Offered a job at Bloomberg, and then she had to. She was dropped by them because of a story that came out, and she was tricked by a kid. So something happened with this story. So not. The people that she works with now, they know that history, and this is like the only job she could get. So I think that they're really kind of hesitant to give her anything else because of her past. So I want to, we haven't really, they haven't really like delved into what exactly happened with, you know, um, Anna Chumps, Chumps, I can't say her fucking name. Anna. It's so hard. I have trouble with it. Anna Chlumsky's. Yeah, it's a terrible last name. Um, her character, she plays Vivian. They haven't really, like, gotten into, like, what was the whole kind of, like, scandal or whatever she was involved in to where now she's almost un- unhirable. And this is the only, you know, news, um, uh, uh, news job that she could get. So that's, that's something else that this series is kind of, started to unpack a little bit by the third episode. People are questioning her by the third episode about it, but yeah, her bosses are dicks. I'm not going to lie there. <laughs> so, but you're digging the show, Joe. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. If, um, so yeah, I had a lot to watch <laughs> this morning. Yeah, <laughs> so it was kind yeah. of like on a lot of these series, sure. it was just first episode and then, okay, on to the next one. So I can, you know, contribute more, but I did want to watch more of it. So this is one that I'll be getting more into. Yeah. June, this sounds like this took up a lot of your time. Cause you're on, you're through six hours of this show already. So yeah, I know I, I just, I kind of kept watching it today. Um, I really couldn't stop. Um, so I did know about the story because last year, HBO uh, Max had an original docuseries. It was called, um, it's called Generation Hustle. And each episode focuses on basically like a millennial scammer. Mm. Um, Adam Newman from like, there's an episode dedicated to Adam Newman at WeWorks. Um, and then one of the episodes is um, like focused on Anna Delby. So I did know the story. I will say, um, so I am sucked in like Shonda Rhimes, like whether or not you like her shows, like, she knows how to suck you in like she i mean she's she's a genius at that she, she's a genius at using like enough like soap opera without going too over the top 
the like the story kind of hooks you in and um you know it's like Grey's Anatomy is on its like 20th goddamn season or whatever you know and so but I think I would enjoy this a lot more if I didn't know the the the, the true story yeah. about Anna Delby because I think I I kind of I'm getting a sense that the show is the way that the show is intending to portray her. I, I because knowing the story, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if I like that direction, but if I can separate myself, like from knowing the actual story, I can see like, yeah, I, I would, I would probably give it a Tupperware right now. I'm going to give it a high taste it Mm. because it is, it does really win. The interesting thing though is, um, so the show is, um, based on an article written by a, uh, a journalist with New York magazine. New York. Um, yeah. It was uh, uh, how Anna Delvey tricked New York's party people by Jessica Pressler. Yes. It, yes. So Jessica Pressler actually, um, and actually um, Anna Chomsky's character is based on her. So instead of New York magazine, it's Manhattan magazine that right. she works at. Um, and so, but Jamie Pressler though, she also wrote the article that was the inspiration for the movie hustlers. Okay. Yeah, that's a great movie. So, yeah, so it's interesting because, like, there was, like, Julia Stiles in that movie, you know, she's the journalist interviewing, you know, all the people that worked at the strip club. And I think what's interesting, if you kind of, because both of those projects are based on articles by the same New York Magazine journalist, though, um, like, Julia Stiles' character, like, she was just more of a framing device. Whereas in this, in Inventing Anna, though, like, the journalist character is a character in the show. Like, I mean, in some ways, like the show is as much about her. Yeah. I think they've got to, I think they've got to do things for TV. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, you have to change things for, for TV. No, I just think it's an interesting way though. Like it is yeah. about Anna Delvey, but then it is also about, you know, whose article was the inspiration for the show. I yeah. think that's just sort of an interesting way of doing it. Um, I think the acting is really good. Anna Chomsky is fantastic. She's really uh, good. She, she, I loved her in Veep. Yeah, I never um, watched it. Oh my gosh, the show is so good. I'll show you just real fast. So there's another Veep character in Book of Boba Fett, the, the mayor's aide, that guy. Oh yeah. He was also in Veep and he's fantastic <laughs> he's too. Um, but, you know, Anna Chomsky is fantastic in this and and actually, what makes me what made me so excited too is um the actor who plays um Anna Delvey's attorney, her, her defense attorney. It's an actor, um, Arian Moyed. He plays probably my favorite character on the HBO show Succession. He plays Stewie, so I was like super excited to see him. I like seeing him in more stuff. He was also in the Spider Man No Way Home. He was the uh, not the FBI, but what's the uh, it wasn't S.H.I.E.L.D., but the other MCU. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know exactly um, what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah so, that, yeah, so that's him. So I'm really happy that he's in like more stuff. I think he's super talented. So Yeah, this is uh, Inventing Anna. This is I think it's fantastic. I, I, I can't wait to watch um, 
the the rest of the episodes. It's going to be hard watching stuff for next week's show and then trying to fit in episodes of the of this because they're like an hour they're a all piece. Over an hour long. They're all an hour or more. Like, yeah, it's, just, it's so crazy. I know, but I, this is something I've got to finish. I've got to finish. It's an absolute Tupperware. It's on Netflix. Uh, Inventing Anna. Highly recommend. If you love um, Julia Garner in Ozark, um, you'll love her in this too. I think she's really good. Let's move on. Uh, single drunk female on Hulu. Who got a chance to watch any of this? Yeah, I saw the first episode. I saw the first three. I've watched the first three as well. Um, this is a freeform show, but they're also showing the episodes on Hulu. Uh, a public flameout at a New York media company forces 20-something alcoholic Samantha Fink to move back home with her overbearing mother. Samantha then sets out on a path to figure out her best self while confronted with remnants of her old life. Uh, and it stars Sophia Black Dialia as Samantha, the 28-year-old alcoholic. Um, Rebecca Henderson as Olivia. Her sponsor, um, Sasha compare as her uh, ex-best friend, Britt. Um, and then Lily Mae Harrington plays her drinking buddy, Felicia. And she was in a movie from 2016 that I really liked. I reviewed it maybe a couple years ago on the podcast called Some Freaks. And I was like, oh, my God, she's in this. And she's great. And then her mother is played, uh, Sophia, uh, Samantha's mother is played by Ali Sheedy. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, Ali Sheedy's in this. Honestly, like, okay, the first episode, I feel like it had a lot of setting up to do, and I didn't think it was a great episode. Um, A lot of just crazy shit happens. She, like, you know, wrecks a car, gets drunk, gets in trouble, and loses her job, punches her boss in the face. All this shit is happening. She just, And so she's forced to move back home. And I just felt like, I was like, oh, my, is this this how they're going to treat this story? Um, I get it's a comedy, but like, I think honestly, by like the third episode, I think it gets a lot better. And I think we're actually hopefully seeing like, you know, she's, she's fallen off the wagon, you know, a couple times now. And I think now we're starting to see maybe hopefully a story of like recovery. It's weird doing a show like this where it's like an alcoholic and they're also mixing in comedy elements and, so, but I think by the third episode, I was, I, and I love Sophia Black Dialia. I, she was in, uh, The Mick with Caitlin Olson, a show that lasted a couple seasons, and I thought she was great in that show, so it's nice seeing her again on something here. Um, so I'm gonna give it over, I'm, I'm enjoying it, I think I'm gonna continue to watch it, they're only, only like 30 minutes a piece. Uh, I think I'm gonna continue to watch it, so I'm gonna give this, like the first episode I would give, a low tasted and then the next two I give high tasted. So I enjoy the show. I, I like it quite a bit. Joe, what did you think? Yeah, the first episode was a high tasted for me. I really, really liked it a lot. Um, w- within the first few minutes, I was laughing out loud. Uh, but yeah, the first episode is just a lot of setup, but I am excited to watch more of it. Uh, my wife's a little bit further along in the series. She's been watching it since it came out and she's a big fan of it. And so already knowing that she's of a high opinion of it later in the season, it's, it's made me want to watch more of it. Yeah. It's like four, four or five episodes out right now. What'd you think, June? You know, I, I, it was actually funny. This, um, my husband actually was the one that found this over the weekend 
And he was like, Saltburst up. He was like, oh, we should watch this show. So it's funny, right? When he texted me the list for this week, I was like, that's like super convenient. Um, I think this is a very cute show. It, it, and cute is a weird adjective to use in a show about alcoholism, but I think it's more of the interactions that she has, you know, like with her, with people that she goes to A with, with her sponsor, you know, and then, you know, with estranged friends. And yeah. I will agree, like, her best friend, Julia, like, yeah, I, I, that's my, that's the best character on the oh, show. Oh, Felicia, Felicia. Felicia, Felicia, because you think that, like, honestly, like, the first episode, she is very one-dimensional. She's the party girl, right? Yeah. But I love, like, as it goes on, like, when, when she's, like, you see a much deeper side of that yep. character. Yeah. I think that is what is, like, because at first, the, like, her mom is like a fucking bitch at oh, first. Oh God! You know, yes. You're just like I. But then you are. They're slowly. What they're doing with all the characters is they're sort of like peeling back the layers. Mm-hmm. And like all the characters are showing something deeper, a little more vulnerable. And so, and I want you know this will be something I think by the end of this season, like everyone's going to be a lot more nuanced and well rounded. Yeah, I love. Um as goofy as it sounds i got like i got like super touched and emotional when they were singing at karaoke i did too right like they I start that singing that song really that they start singing miley that, cyrus that miley cyrus the climb song and like the fucking um lily may harrington her friend who she plays uh felicia she can oh, fucking sing she can sing girl can sing wow yeah yeah, you should watch some it's freaks. Endearing scene. You it's should such an endearing scene. You should watch the movie Some Freaks. She's actually really, really okay. fucking good in that movie. Um, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I watched it on Hoopla a while back, but uh, I yeah, I'm digging this show. I'm going to continue to watch it every week. I, I think it's a, mm-hmm. I think it's a super uh, addictive show. <laughs> it has to do with alcoholism, and I'm calling it a super addictive show. How fitting. Um. Nobody appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, alcohol's a vice, everyone. It's addictive. Um, actually, the show did make me want to drink, which was fucked up. Um, but uh, I did. I I like it. And uh, I'm going to continue to watch Single Drunk Female. If you have Hulu, check it out. Um, uh, the Fallout on HBO Max. June, I think we, you and I watched this one. Bolstered by new friendships forged under sudden and tragic circumstances. High school student Veda. Veda, doesn't that sound like, doesn't that sound like if Darth Veda became a rapper? <laughs> <laughs> Veda. Uh, high school student Veda begins to reinvent herself while reevaluating her relationships and her view of the world. Moving away from her comfortable family routine, she starts taking chances with a series of decisions that test her own boundaries and push her in new directions. As she spends more time with Mia, they grow, grow closer, and Veda slowly redefines herself through their shared experiences. What a bullshit synopsis. This movie is so much more than that. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's, like, not even close. Right, like, right. Oh, my gosh. I the, hate that synopsis. Like, that's terrible. It's terrible. Written and directed by Megan Park in her feature directorial debut. Uh, it stars Jenny Ortega as Veda, a high school student who navigates significant emotional trauma following a school shooting. Uh, the film also stars Maddie Ziegler, Julie Bowen, John Ortiz, Niles Fitch, Will Rop, and Shailene Woodley in supporting roles. And um, 
this is, I think this might be the best thing I watched all week as far as like, like any, any movie that we watched this week. I think this is probably the best movie that I watched all week. This, I, I honestly, I, I didn't, I didn't even read the synopsis when I started, I hadn't even read the synopsis. I just saw that this movie had been out maybe for a week or two. I put it on the list and by the time we're like 10, 15 minutes in and the school shooting happens, I am like, I I couldn't believe it was happening. Like I had no idea that this is the direction that this movie is going to be going into. And because like you've got this girl Veda, she's at school, she gets a phone call from her younger sister, her younger sister gets her first period, and they're having like this this moment over the phone, you know, older sister trying to guide the younger sister, and then all of a sudden as she's in the bathroom uh with this you know, this uh popular girl named Mia who is very popular on Instagram, has thousands of followers, probably the most popular girl in the school, known for her dancing and 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 so and then all of a sudden you start hearing gunshots from outside in the hallway and in the classrooms as they're in the bathroom and you see the two girls get up on top of the toilet and they're huddled together and they're scared to death. And the whole movie is basically um, how this changes her whole life. And she goes through, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's post traumatic uh, PTSD that she, that she's going through. She starts to see a therapist. Um, she forms a, a bond with Mia. She forms a bond with another kid named Quentin who actually comes into the bathroom as this happens and um and he's covered in blood his 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 brother's blood who had who'd been shot and um i was just i was just blown away by this movie cuz it had like really serious moments and then it had like moments of comedy um I was I was blown away by this movie. I I I think this was like a must watch, but I think like it there does need to be like a trigger warning that if, you know, for some people like some people I don't know if if can watch this if they've ever experienced like something this traumatic in their life. I don't know if this is something that they want to they would ever want to watch, but for me it was just it was super eye-opening and it, it, it like there's this there's like this message in the movie of uh, one of the fathers is like you know, I'm scared to death to take my, I'm scared to death to take my children to school. You know, I'm scared for my children. I'm scared to take my kids to school. It's, and the girl is scared of school. She's scared to go to school. It like, it like, the thought of going to school and being back where this happened just like scares the shit out of her. And, uh, I don't know. This I, it's a super fucking powerful movie. I, I give it a Tupperware, and um, I, I, it's something that I, I won't watch it again for a while. But it's something I could definitely see myself revisiting in the future. It is it is it is powerful. Um, what did you What did you think, June? This is a Tupperware for me too. It was a very powerful movie. 
but it in a it was very subtle as well like it really is just sort of it, it's almost like a kind of a day in the life of right like it's a day in the life of this girl who experienced this super traumatic event and the aftermath right of you know how you deal with something like this like how do you go back to living how do you go back to doing normal things like your things that you know going to school and doing homework and it's and I, I just I think the way it ended was really brilliant um wasn't expecting that um for me it was kind of surprised the way the, the way that it ended and um and I and I thought that was actually probably one of the most powerful things and the thing is it's nothing like I know it sounds like the way I'm describing it, like big things happen. Like it's nothing like that. I mean, everything is just so subtle in this film, but yet it does it convey this super powerful message. Mm-hmm. And um, like it, you're not having like screaming matches, or you're not having scenes of like nervous breakdowns and like hysteria. It it's just it's a very quiet movie, but it's. Like I mean, I this was I thought it was fantastic. Well, the one scene where like characters are getting loud was one of the the one of the best scenes in the movie for me was when she's yeah. spending time on the hilltop with her father, played by John Ortiz. Who at this point in the movie, I'm like, why did they even have him in the movie? Like he's done he nothing, and then all of a sudden they give him like this really amazing scene with with Veda and. They're on this hill and, 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 and she uses, she uses a curse word and she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. And he goes like, and her dad is like, she says the F word and her dad is like, no, he's like, life is fucking crazy. And then he gets up and starts screaming, life is fucking confusing. And yeah. then they just start screaming and getting out all these emotions. And he's like, she's like, I'm scared to go to school. And he's like, I'm scared to take my children to school. And it was just like this, like, very powerful fucking scene between he's she's going through stuff he's also going through stuff because his daughter was in this very uh in this in this moment he was not life-threatening situation and he was not there to protect her and 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 that's that's it when when the kids are at school a place that's supposed to be safe and something like this happens like it's 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 out of your control and the I, I will tell you that the the scene with the school shooting scene it's it is very um it is scary it is scary cuz you're just hearing sounds and and but that was so much more effective to film it was, that way like it so was. you don't actually see the shooting the thing is and i think that was smart you don't see the shooting you don't see any of that you are only seeing it through the perspective of two girls who are now terrified huddled in a bathroom stall and all they can hear are gunshots and screaming Mm -hmm. and so you know because you're not seeing anything you're just imagining the worst case scenario yeah and like it and to me that makes it all the more powerful i mean and you can kind of understand like you know there's 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 she's going through all this stuff and she just doesn't want to feel this way and there's like there's moments where she starts taking like certain drugs and shit. She gets fucking. She takes ecstasy at school. Just, oh my god, that scene made me so anxious. Oh my god, when she bites the pen and it just goes all yes. over her face. Yes. 
then when she's trying to crawl, then she's trying to go down the steps, and then she literally gets halfway down the stairs and then just lies down on one of the, and then just rolls the rest of the way to the floor. Uh, I was like, it made me so tense because I'm I like, was... a teacher is going to find her. And, but I love how, like, you know, the other students around her, right? Like, you know, her best friend, Nick. Yeah. You know, for him, his way of dealing with the trauma, though, he just lunges into activism. Yep. And you understand why he does, because for him, it's like, there needed to be a, like, there has to be a reason this happened. Like, this horrible, horrible thing where people died. Like, there's got to be a reason. The reason has got to be, like, you know, we're going to wake up and we're going to try to convince the government to pay be more accountable and enact legislation like he's like something something good has to come out of something so bad and so you understand why like he's so focused on that there's a scene where like you know i I loved when i loved when she went to quentin's brother's funeral and Um, i you know i got i i i got really emotional at that scene and then i also got emotional at a scene where you know um she's got this kind of like a uh a memento box and then she starts taking like the, oh, the, the, like the funeral, uh, program, the funeral programs. And, and, and you see her put Quentin's brother's program in there. And then not only that, but like continues to put more in there. She keeps going to these be- and that's, that's her way of coping. Um, it was, uh. Super powerful movie, Joe. I, I I recommend this one, man. This is this is an absolute Tupperware, dude. This is yeah one of the best things I've seen in, yeah, in a I, while. I watched the trailer for it, and and when I saw that it was the school shooting thing, I was like, well, you know, if I have time, I'll get to this one. But uh, but I, I put it lower on my list just because of the school shooting thing. My my younger sister is a my younger sister is a high school teacher. And my mom is a high school secretary. Yeah. And and I remember going visiting my mom in her office one time. And, like, basically the, the school that she was at at the time, you would walk in and to go in the front door of this office, you could either go through a left door or a right door. The left door went into one secretary's office that you'd have to, like, walk through to, like, get into the main building. And the other went through my mom's office. And so I was like, doesn't this make you nervous? And she's like, well, yeah, when when the cop was in here going through the live shooter drills, they pretty much told me that, you know, I if they come through here, you know, you're just going to get shot. And I'm like, Jesus and that's Christ. just that's just fucking OK. That's just the way it is. They're not even going to give you a can of fucking bear mace or anything to keep under your desk. So, I mean, this stuff is. Yeah. And, and, and my wife and I, we. When when COVID happened, we pulled the kids out of school and she started homeschooling them. And we had for years talked about pulling them out and homeschooling just because of this school shooter shit that keeps fucking happening in this mm-hmm. country. And so it, it is one of those subjects where I, I think watching this would give me a great deal of anxiety. Um, but it's 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 it it's great to hear you both Tupperware it, and it's such a you know a powerful movie. That- I, I mean, from the it's definitely like you know you can think that it's just going to be a downer, but th- there are some beautiful things that happen from this from this mm-hmm. movie. Like it's the, the stuff with her sister, the stuff with her sister, and the, just the friendships oh. that are formed. You know, yeah. it's like in the eighties we got John Hughes and he gave us the Breakfast Club, and it's like, oh, we got detention, and all these friendships were formed in detention. This is like serious shit. This is like, 
Friendship rooted in trauma. A friendship, friendships formed in trauma. And yeah, like her and Mia and, and, and her and, uh, um, Quentin. I mean, yeah. So. I, yeah, I know it's a downer, Joe, but there are, there are actually like moments of levity. Beautiful moments. Just really beautiful. And then there's moments of comedy. Like she gets really fucking Mm -hmm. high with Mia and Mia's chill and they're hanging out by the pool. But when she gets high, she's like super fucking ramped up and she's talking a mile a minute and she goes on having like this rant about like the owner of Jimmy John's being a trophy hunter. (laughs) And I'm, I'm just, I'm losing my shit because not only do I love that the, this movie has this message about like, you know, you know, it's, parents and and kids are scared to go to school and like what are we doing to to protect our children just trying to get an education but also they're also like fucking saying the owner of jimmy john's is a shit bag so it's like i love it (laughs) i love it starting how she like watched a documentary about like um elephant hunting in africa and then she goes into like oh my gosh should i eat jimmy john's anymore because didn't like the owner of jimmy john doesn't he hunt like wild game yeah. Yeah. Do you guys need a break? That would I'm doing be okay. Great. That would actually be wonderful. You okay? That's why I asked. See, it, when Jake would have asked thirty minutes ago. <laughs> thirty minutes ago. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, how are you? First, I want you to know that I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when I'm not impregnating my housekeeper, I like to buy t-shirts on popcultureleftovers.com. Or you can buy a PCL mug or stickers or even a skateboard deck. You can even buy a PCL bath mat. Listen to this. Imagine getting out of your shower. If you have your balls out or your vagina and they're fully exposed and you're hovering just mere feet over the PCO Majestic logo, hovering like a chopper. And just like a chopper, you should get to popcultureleftovers.com and click on the Threadless link or you can head directly over to popcultureleftovers.threadless.com and buy a shirt. Come on, do it now, do it, buy a shirt, I'm here, I'm right here. Alright, hey, we are back and we're going to be talking about HBO Max uh, dropped a movie on Thursday, uh, Kimmy, during the COVID-19 pandemic in Seattle, an agoraphobic tech worker discovers, yeah, agoraphobic is people that like don't want to leave the house, they're scared to leave the house, Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All yep. right. Cool. An agoraphobic tech worker rediscovers evidence, uh, discovers evidence of a violent crime while reviewing a data stream and is met with resistance and bureaucracy when she tries reporting it to her company. She, to get involved, she realizes she must face her greatest fear by venturing out of her apartment and into the city streets, which are filled with protesters after the city council passes a law restricting the movements of the homeless population. It's directed by Steven Soderbergh and written and produced by David Kep. And it stars Zoe Kravitz, uh, Rita Wilson. And I also noticed that the, the Zoe Kravitz's mother in this was Robin Givens. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it really? I couldn't, I actually couldn't. Oh my God. I got to go back and just look at that. I did not pick that up. Oh yeah. It was Robin Givens. Um, I did not tell. 
Yeah, so uh the movie's called Kimmy and uh, in this in this uh oh and also the the um uh the CEO of the of the uh, the company at the beginning the the CEO of that company uh at the beginning of the movie and we see him later that's Derek mm-hmm. Delgadio from the uh in and of itself Hulu special that magic show. He's that magician guy. Anyway. Uh it was one of my favorite things. It was one of my favorite things that I watched last year. Um, okay. But, uh, well, what, 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 June? No, I've like never heard of this. I didn't know. I'd never heard of this. Anyway, uh, keep going. Sorry. Well, I'm letting other people, I, I uh, for, it, it's for the people that know who the fuck he is then, June. It's <laughs> not for, it's, it's not for you then, is it, June? <laughs> no, it's not. Why, why am I met with giggles and, 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 and snickering then? <laughs> Sorry. I'm fucking with you, June. <laughs> Sorry. No, Derek Delgadio's in and of itself. You need to watch it, June. It's on Hulu and it's fantastic. It's really good. Okay. It's really yeah. good. Okay. You're never going to watch it. You're never going to watch it. I'm going to go fucking watch it right after. I know. Where's June? Fight you. June's watching. <laughs> fucking an hour and a half later, you come back and you're like, ah, that sucked, Brian. <laughs> I watched it. See, I do listen. No, um, uh, the, the name of the of this movie is Kimmy, and and in this world, uh, it's almost like a like an Alexa or a Siri. Uh, is it's the Kimmy device, and she works for the company that that makes them, and so. When people ask this device questions, sometimes, you know, the, the, the technology doesn't understand what exactly what people are asking of it. And so she listens to the audio recordings of people talking to the device and then makes corrections in there so that, so that the software can be more, um, user friendly. So if somebody's asking for something in particular, like, you know, it, what was it? Somebody wanted to listen to a song. What was it? Somebody wanted to listen to it like was, a, yeah, a Taylor Swift song, but like the way the title, like, yeah. the, I guess the title song confused the Kimmy or like things like, um, regional slang words. <laughs> yeah. I need more kitchen paper. Yes. Yeah, no, yes. No. <laughs> and she wanted paper towels. And so, yeah. So. So, uh, Zoe Kravitz's character of Angela listens to these. Now she listens to one of these recordings and you hear music and then behind the music you hear a man threatening a woman and it sounds like a, a crime, an assault has been committed. And she tries to tell her job about this and it's, it's cr- the, the movie's the movie's crazy because it just it, it kind of ramps up from there. And um, Joe, I know you watched this. What did you think about Kimmy? This was my favorite thing I watched this week. Like, you know, not counting Peacemaker, but like for the movie, right, right, right. I saw like like I absolutely loved this movie, and it does. It starts very slow, and it, it's it's kind of this suspenseful thriller. And then it amps up to like one of the best last 10 minutes I've ever seen in a movie. Like it is so fucking good. Like it just blew me away. The performances in it were really, really good. Zoe Kravitz just knocked it out of the park. Um, it it kind of had hints of 
you remember that Will Smith, Gene Hackman movie, Enemy of the State? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where, where he's trying to like, you know, or no, he accidentally comes into, he has some info on him that he doesn't even realize he has some data. And so there's all this surveillance stuff going on to like track his movements and, and catch him. And, and there's kind of like elements of that in this movie. And it's, it's a really, really fast paced. Um, yeah, th- this was, I, I loved this movie. It was an absolute Tupperware. I loved it too, Joe. I- Without spoiling the third act, I think that there's like this one scene in the third act, which I think that the villains of this kind of let her get away with some stuff there at the end that I think that they could have stopped her from doing <laughs> a little sooner. <laughs> but utilize the art of distraction. Yes, 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 yes. I think I think they're too well, a little too well. <laughs> but uh, it's it was so cool. But it, it Joe, so fucking cool. It was cool and it was satisfying. So satisfying, Very right? Satisfying. That's why I will let certain things that happen in the third act slide because of the satisfaction I felt while watching certain things pan out. So I'm so glad that Steven Soderbergh didn't retire. You know, he was like, I'm done with directing. And then all of a sudden, then he's like, nope, I'm back. And we've got like three movies from him. And, and I've really enjoyed what he's put out. And I thought that this was great too. I'm going to give it a Tupperware as well. I, I, I thought Zoe Kravitz was fantastic. It just makes me even more. Ex- and she looks so much like her mother. It's insane. But uh, it makes me even that much more excited for her to be playing Catwoman. Yes, in, absolutely. In the upcoming Batman. Um, June, I don't think, I don't know if you're going to be as kind with this movie as we are. This feels like it's oh. a, it's a, go ahead. It's a Tupperware. Is it really? I'm, sh- oh, I'm shocked. This nice. movie. Like the moment she hears the call recording, like when she's just working, right? Like the moment yeah. the movie just goes at a high gear. But even like that very kind of quiet, kind of creeping, very opening, like the first maybe like five, ten minutes of the movie, though, like I love just her looking out the window. It was very, very reminiscent of like Hitchcock's rear window mm. of like looking into other people's apartments across the way and – I just, and I, one thing, I think Zoe Kravitz is phenomenal. Like I do, I see an Oscar in this woman's future, like, because the character, um, Angela, though, like, yes, we know she's agoraphobic. Um, and, but she's also a little like OCD and they don't spell it out, but like just little things that she did, like things, everything had to be organized and perfect. But, like, I felt like Zoe Kravitz's, like, mannerisms, like, really was, she was very convincing as someone who's agoraphobic, who's also maybe a little obsessive-compulsive. Because, like, you know, like, she wants to go through all of her streams. And, like, the one that she hears the, like, possible assault happening, you know, her superhero is just, like, just, just let it go. And she's, like, but then, and, you know, she's very particular. She's, like, but I want to clear it but I can't and I can't move on. Mm-hmm. Like she's got to fix it. And I don't know. I just, and then, and then, and then it turns into like this very gritty, like high speed chase thriller. Yeah. Um, I, without spoiling it, the scene with the van. Jesus oh my Christ. gosh. <laughs> oh, that was so tense. Right. So 
Oh, wow. 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 It was like, uh, well, you, could, you mentioned the Gene Hackman movie, you know, with Will Smith, but then it also reminded me of, like, the conversation that the, the you know, sort of, like, cat and mouse chase that happens, you know, once she leaves the apartment. And I just thought, I mean, I, I just thought this movie was so good. I mean, there are some nitpicks, like, I think, Ryan, I agree with you, like, certain things in the third act. Yeah. Maybe she used, again, like, Yes, she was using distraction, but maybe she used them a little too well. Um, that kind of stretches plausibility a little bit. But then there was, I understand. I understand why they had to do this, obviously. So they do incorporate COVID. And I like how they incorporated COVID like it's just a normal thing. Like it wasn't ham-fisted. And this was also like almost like a really great movie to shoot during COVID, right? Because she can work from home. Mm-hmm. She's working from home. She can have Zoom calls and meetings through FaceTime and whatever. And so but when she goes to the op, when she leaves her home to go to the office and then she's got that meeting with Rita Wilson. Yeah. She doesn't, she, she does the thing where she pulls her mask onto her chin. But I'm like this whole time you've seen this girl like be so scared to go outside. Like, she is legitimately like, I think the pandemic has freaked her out and she is very OCD. Like she wouldn't, she would have left that mask on. I, I I thought that too. I was like, why does she have the mask down at this point? In and the I understand, like you have Zoe Kravitz, you're going to show Zoe Kravitz, right? Well, and, and then, like I get that you want and you want to see the emotion. Well, the, like, the way the, the way you sound when you have a mask on too. Yeah. I mean, with it's uh, they don't want to have to do like ADR if it doesn't sound right at the end. So it's like just pull the mask down. They might have right. done. Yeah, you need to see her facial expression. Like, as she's talking to Rita Wilson, yeah. right? like, she goes in there, and then, like, you see her doubt Rita Wilson's character and, like, all of that face. Like, you have to show the face, and I get that. She's and not so, the Mandalorian. I, she can take the thing off, you know? <laughs> the Mandalorian can also take the thing off, because under Mandalorians do. I'm just, no, I'm just saying, Jody. It was just, yeah, a, it was a joke. I didn't really want to get into the specifics of the Mandalorian with I'm you. Kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm just saying he can also take his off. But anyway, come on, you no, let it go. Just let it go. No, I'm kidding. It's small thing. No, it's small things like that. But like again, like because the I thought the rest of the movie very much are like yeah, like when I have to put it on, like you know, when I look at what outweighs what. Okay, yeah, that's a nitpick, but yeah. it doesn't. It's still a Tupperware. It's a Tupperware. It's very, it's it's a satisfying movie, and it's yeah, it's white knuckle gripping during the yeah. cer- certain certain scenes, Ooh. and uh, yeah, this, on HBO Max, it, it's a it's a it, this is it's a damn shame because I kept thinking to myself, this would have been a fun theatrical experience. It really, that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking too. I was thinking exactly that. No option to see this in the movie theater. It would have really been really nice to see this one in the movie theater. Oh. Um, I did watch uh, uh, the first two episodes of Suspicion on Apple TV+. Plus. Now, I know the third episode just came out on Friday. I've seen the first two that dropped. It's a uh, suspicion uh the crime makes international news and creates a social media mob that harasses the suspects who eventually decide to clear their name they must band together to find the real kidnappers what a horrible synopsis it doesn't even tell you anything but this is fuck this synopsis anyway it's terrible (laughs) it's so clunky at the beginning of this show you see um 
uh, a, a, a young man walking through a hotel hallway and then people uh, are dressed up um, with with masks of the royal family and they kidnap him and they throw him into a suitcase and and um, this and then there's uh, I believe how many people are are they trying to that they think might be involved in this is is there Four, four or five, four, okay. Four. Four people that they're, that they brought in that they're now questioning who they think might be behind this kidnapping. Um, and, and Uma Thurman is in this one. You've got, uh, Kunal Nayar from the Big Bang Theory is also in this one. Noah Emmerich is in this. Uh, Elizabeth Henstridge from, uh, uh Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is in this. I personally think, and I haven't watched the third episode, so I can't tell you, but I personally think that, I think that they're all involved. The first, th- like the three people that they brought in for questioning, because there's this moment where Noah Emmerich, his character of Scott Anderson, he's an agent, says, you know, they need somebody, they need a planner, they need a tech guy, and they need, what was it? There was three money. things. Money. And the money. Cash. Yeah. And I think he basically nailed it. Like all three, like, I think all three people, you've got the, the money, you've got the, the tech guy, and you've got the planner. I think, I think you nailed it. I think, I think all three are involved in this in some capacity, but I, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. That's what, that's why the, the, I think this show is, uh, is, is compelling. I, I definitely, once I finished the first episode, I, I wanted to watch the, the second episode immediately. And I did just haven't gotten around to the third one yet because inventing Anna came out. So, um, <laughs> but I am, I am enjoying the show. Um, I'll, I'll give it a high taste it so far because it, it, it does, it, it does have enough to make me want to continue to watch. But if it, I mean, if it doesn't get any better within like, if it doesn't turn into a Tupperware, maybe by the next episode or the fourth episode, I might drop off this one. So, but right now I am enjoying the mystery and, and what they're kind of putting together here. June, is this something you guys are going to be talking about on Apple to Oranges? Yeah, we'll talk about it next week. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I think that I'm at, I'm, I'm at a taste it with this show. Like, I think the concept and the main plot is interesting. Okay, and this is just for me personally. Um, I just, for me personally, I love Noah Emmerich. I, I do. I love him. But the fact that he's playing another FBI agent in this show, it's... Because I think his best role that he's ever done is in the FX show, The Americans. Um, he is fantastic in that. And so... And again, this is complete... Like, just this is a subjective opinion on my part. Because I loved him so much in The Americans where he played an FBI agent... Like the way he's playing him here, it's like a budget version of the character he played in The Americans. And I think that would only affect you if you would watch The Americans. And so it, it does take me out of the show a little bit. So it, I'm having a, having some trouble like really getting into it. 
So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to continue to watch it. But, yeah, I, honestly, like, the Noah Emmerich of it all is really kind of what's been holding, like, it's been holding me back on See, it. I never watched The Americans, but I love Noah Emmerich. And so I... I'm, I'm, I'm loving his performance in this. I yep. have nothing else to compare it to. Exactly. Um, exactly. So. so I think if you, um, so I guess if anyone out there, like if you've watched the American, you know, Noah America than this, like just that's, I mean, just because he was so fantastic in that show. And so, um, but yeah, and I, I will say Elizabeth Henstridge's haircut is doing nothing for her. She's so cute. She's, she's so pretty. And I hate her haircut. Like, I don't know why they gave her this haircut. Oh, thank God. I was hoping that someone would bring up her haircut in this because (laughs) (laughs) I have absolutely nothing to say about that. Haircut in season two of Felicity ruined that show. Just saying. Yes. Um, Yes. Joe, me and me and you were actually texting about this yesterday. mm -hmm. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I couldn't either, man. I was appalled, sir. Hair can have an effect. But no, I think it's it's a tasted. I think it's interesting. Um, and I just lost his name. The um, the actor who was also in Big Bang Theory, Kunal Niyar. Uh, yeah, Kunal Niyar. He is playing a very different character here. Like he's he's kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> in this show, it's yeah. kind of nice to see him branch out, though. Oh Something yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, did you get to watch any of this? Yeah, I also watched the first two episodes of it. Um, I felt like I couldn't stop at the first episode, not because it was amazing, just mm-hmm. because I felt like the whole first episode is just all a bunch of setup. Mm-hmm. And there's really not too much meat to it. So I was like, well, I need to give this another episode. And, you know, that next episode didn't do a whole lot for me either. I'm, I'm at a taste it for, for both episodes so far. I think the most compelling character is the guy who's clearly a criminal <laughs> that they haven't caught yet that's kind of out you know wrecking all this havoc you know fucking blowing up boats killing people <laughs> right in the trunks of their own fucking car like you know what's going on with this guy how does he link in with these other characters it's it's compelling to me but i i, I don't know if it's compelling enough to to bring me back every week i think this is one where June, I'm going to let apple to oranges take the hit, and later on, if you guys are saying it's good, I'll go back and jump back on it. I no, I don't trust them. They didn't like Foundation, and that's like one. <laughs> fuck that, man. Foundation's one of the best fucking things on TV. To be fair, to be fair, Paul didn't even start Foundation, so two out of three of us. So I mean, Paul could very much well have liked it. He just actually didn't watch it. All right. Foundation's on my watch list too. I haven't gotten to it yet. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of down to it's going to be a coin flip on the next thing I start for, from Apple TV Plus. Is it going to be For All Mankind or Foundation? Because oh. I can't decide which one I want to next. For All, man- for all Mankind. For All Mankind, yeah. But Foundation nice. is incredible. It is incredible. It is so good. Although um, if you wanted to watch something like bad, like terrible, The Morning Chef. We've already watched all of it. And oh I really God. enjoyed I enjoyed both seasons of it. I thought the first season was markedly better than the second, but I didn't hate the second season by any means. The second season was very jumpy, sharky. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't watched I haven't watched a single episode of the morning show. It, you will be so frustrated with it. Um, it's the second season. It it Joe seriously. It it got real sharky. Jumpy. My next my next thing that I'm gonna watch is Succession eventually. So, yes. I'm, uh, so good. Are you here's the thing. Wait, are you watching Righteous Jumpstone? Of course. I haven't watched the last episode 
because I had a lot on oh. my plate this week. But I had, but I, but it's but, so good, isn't it? Oh, I love it. I, it's one of my favorite shows on TV. I love the Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. I'm a uh, big fan of Adam Devine. So all filmed in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. That is true. Um, but yeah, yeah, guys, I watch what I can. Yeah, you'll I, love Succession. Here's you'll a, love it. I want to. I want to explain something to the listeners. I. I get people all the time, and a lot of times it's people that maybe I don't know that well or people that I do know well, and they'll send me a text message or they'll send me a Facebook message or they'll send me a, like a, a Twitter DM, and they'll be like, hey, have you seen this? Oh, you should watch this. And it's like I love the suggestions, but when you get three to four of them a week – yeah, it's impossible. You can't. It's watch it. hard, guys. So if I don't get around to watching something that you think I should watch, it's not because I don't value your opinion. It's because I've also got somebody else telling me to watch something else, and somebody else telling me to watch something else, and somebody else telling me to watch something else. I'm I have limited time, and I also have to do a show the next week where I have to watch a bunch of new stuff. So it's hard for me to like. And people are like, "Well, you can stay up late at night and watch episodes of no. Friends." Well, here's the thing. I'm watching Friends right before I go to bed. You know, it's like I, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get sucked in. You're I'm not going to get sucked in. I'm putting. I, I can't watch like Succession or one of like these super compelling. It's not like I'm going to be watching Breaking Bad right before bed or something. It, <laughs> I have to watch stuff to where I can just shut my fucking brain off and just go to sleep. I don't need my mind racing and being like, oh my god, I've got to watch the next episode to see how this oh, pans yeah. out. Breaking Bad. That my husband and I. So like we. Started, he had watched a little bit of Breaking Bad, and then um, when it finally ended its season, like he went back and watched it, and then I started catching some episodes with him, and then we were like binging it every night. But there was one night, it was a Tuesday night, I don't know why, but we started watching it like 10 o'clock, and then we literally watched like four episodes, yeah, because we couldn't stop watching. I went game to bed over at four o'clock in the morning. I had to be up in three hours yeah. and be at work at eight thirty the next morning. <laughs> and I mean I was a zombie the next day. So then that so the next night we sat down and my husband goes, We are going to watch an episode one episode of Breaking Bad. We're gonna watch the next one out here on the couch in the living room. And then he was like, and when we go to bed, we're putting on some fucking like documentary we've already seen before so we can just go to sleep. So what you should, we're what, not watching this in bed. What you, what you should do is be like, okay, we're going to down a bottle of NyQuil and watch as much Breaking Bad as we can. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, but like we learned, it was like, you cannot, I did that with like Stranger Things season three. Like I was like, I'm going to watch, like, I think I had three episodes left. I should have just waited to the next day. Nope. I started watching that like seventh episode. <laughs> And then I stayed up till two o'clock in the morning finishing it. I am on. I'm. I'm currently on season three of uh, Married with Children. <laughs> that's like. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. like you need something that you don't. You're not going to get sucked into. Exactly. Be like I have to know what happens next. I just want people to know this. Like, it's not like I don't value your fucking suggestions. It's just the fact that you're. I. You got to understand. I've got so many other people telling me to watch so much shit, and there's just limited time. Um. Uh, Marry Me hit Peacock and theaters this week. 
Uh, pop superstar Kat Valdez is about to get married before an audience of her loyal fans. However, seconds before the ceremony, she learns about her fiance's cheating ways and has a meltdown on stage. In a moment of inspired insanity, Kat locks eyes with a total stranger in the crowd and marries him on the spot. As forces conspire to separate the unlikely newlyweds, they must soon decide if two people from such different worlds can find true love together. It's directed by Kat Quero, with a screenplay by John Rogers, Tammy Sager, and Harper Dill. It's based on the graphic novel of the same name by Bobby Crosby, and it stars Jennifer Lopez as Kat Valdez uh, and uh, Owen Wilson as the stranger that holds the Marry Me sign. And... Um, John Bradley, Sarah Silverman, and Chloe Coleman also star in supporting roles. And um, I actually I didn't watch this on uh, on uh, on Peacock. I actually I actually said uh, I'm going to go see this in the theater. So I drove to the theater and I watched this. And so I saw it in the theater. And uh, yeah, coming out for you know up, upcoming Valentine's Day, they're coming out with all this romantic shit. Uh, so this is like the the rom com. <laughs> <laughs> what Joe? <laughs> romantic shit. It's close to Valentine's Day. They're coming out with this romantic shit. <laughs> you know, it's pretty much for saps. But I got a show to run here, so I'm gonna go see it. Yeah, I know. No, Joe. It's like here's the thing. Um, I love a good romance comedy. Like I, you know, my favorite romance comedy of all time, When Harry Met Sally. I think it is the perfect rom com. I Billy Crystal just fucking amazing. I I, I love that movie and um so i like a good rom-com and honestly i think that this movie has likable characters i i i thought owen wilson's character he was a teacher in this and he was a good teacher and had uh, sweet students and and i thought jennifer lopez was 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 fun in this movie and um you know she's she's this superstar and and, but, you know, she, she meets him and, and we get to see a more human side of her character. This is not when Harry met Sally. This is not in like the pantheon of like the best rom-coms ever, but it was cute and it had likable characters at the end of the day. I thought Owen Wilson's best friend played by Sarah Silverman was fun. And I thought John Bradley <laughs> is kind of like the aide to, uh, you know, Jennifer Lopez's character of Cat was, was a good, was a good character. Um, also like how how celebrity cameos they had I, these celebrity like the Jimmy Fallon cameo Jimmy Fallon I need I need these movies to remind me of like who's still hosting late night talk shows cuz I don't watch them anymore so it's like oh Jimmy Jimmy Fallon must still be a thing because I haven't watched him in years um I, I you know besides like you know it, it was like I was watching Carson as a kid Leno uh, Conan and, and, and Letterman. And after that, I, I don't care. I don't watch the Jimmy Fallon's and the, who's the other one? Jimmy. Oh, and see Colbert. Is Colbert, who's the other guy? Uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. For, yeah, I'm, I, so they're all, they're, those are the three on the big network. So yeah, yeah. You see Jimmy Fallon, NBC, uh, Steve Colbert at CBS, and then Jimmy Kimmel. At ABC, but then Seth Meyers has the yeah. old Conan spot. Yeah, I, you know, and I love Jimmy Kimmel. I used to watch, I used to love the man show and, and all that shit. I just, I, I don't watch late night talk show hosts and shit like that. If There's I do. someone else who's got the late, late one too. Oh, James, James Corden. Um, yeah. He's got the one after Colbert. I don't watch any of it. I don't, and if I do <laughs> watch. I've never watched them. 
if I do watch, it's like I watch clips or something like that if it's on the internet and it but looks interesting. But it's the viral clips though, but like yeah. not of like, not even them like interviewing people, but it's like one of the best things that Jimmy uh, Fallon did though when Avengers Endgame came out and he did the parody of We Didn't Start the Fire. It kind of went through like the history of the MCU, but had the actual actors like singing along with him. Oh yeah. And then the other one that Jimmy was when Force Awakens came out. And he had like the cast and then, um, you know, Quest Love and the Roots. Like they did, I don't know if you guys seen this, it's really cool, but like they're singing, like they're vocalizing this music from Star Wars, like the Star Wars theme, the Imperial March, and they're vocalizing it. It's, it's really good. You should try to catch that. But they did that when Force Awakens came out. But it's things like that though with the late night talk shows. Yeah. That I'll Google that, that I'll watch like on my phone or something. Right. But I'm not gonna not gonna watch, watch not gonna show. sit down and watch. Yeah, it's not like I'm gonna fucking carve out like an hour of my night to watch this shit. <laughs> right. I, I, honestly, I watch more Carson on antenna TV at night than I've ever watched any of the new guys. So, and I just watched but that. I'm watching their monologue. I'm not watching their opening monologue. Yeah. Um, Joe, did you see this? No, I didn't. Oh man. Okay. All right. Uh, June, you did you watch Marry Me? I did. And what do um, what do you think? I'm not a rom com person. Um, that's really not my thing. So the, I mean, you just said in synopsis the premise of this of what this romantic comedy is based on is absurd. It is ridiculous. Yes, ridiculous. it is. But I had a lot of fun with I. I liked this way more than I thought I would. Now, granted, I did. I went in with. Again, I'm not a rom-com person, so my my bar was kind of low. But as I'm watching it, I'm real. I, what I realize is this movie hinges on likable yeah. actors. Yeah, like the actors have to be likable. Because here's the thing: Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez are not acting in this movie. They are being themselves. Like they are. Like they are being themselves and. They're both super likable people in real life. Like, they're the perfect casting for this movie. But it makes for really good chemistry. And it, it, it makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, as absurd as this is, and the, and the sweet moments are really sweet. Yeah, are they cheesy and super saccharine sweet? Of course they are, but that's just, but it's not glib about it. I don't know. It, it, this was I, this was a fun one. I, I do like. It, I, I say people definitely watch this one. This is a cute one. This is a high taste it. And then yeah. you get original music from J Lo. Yeah. And some of the music is good. It's not bad. It's not bad. I, I give it a high taste it as well. I I uh, <laughs> I thought it was, it was fun. It was fun and it, it, it's super like likable characters in this. I. Owen Wilson was just uh, just a great character, and I I, I thought uh, I thought Jennifer Lopez did a, a really good job. I liked their moments together. I thought it was as, as unbelievable as the premise is, and it would never happen ever. But uh, it was just fun to kind of just see this ridiculous shit kind of play out and this cute little love story between them. And uh, the the it was very Notting Hill though, right? Like it, there were very. Like Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts in Notting Hill too. I haven't seen like that in super, years. Oh, I mean Notting Hill. Like Julia Roberts is like a super famous actress. Uh, Hugh Grant's character owns a bookstore. 
Okay, yeah, it's it's been years since I've seen that. I did like so, how the the mathalon took place in uh, my hometown of Peoria, yeah, Illinois. I, I saw that in Peoria. It was not you guys. It was not filmed there. That's not the Peoria airport. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was it, it was cute. Yeah, the yeah. high taste it for marry me. I'm mm-hmm. glad I saw it in the theater. It's just ridiculous. The the reason I watched it in the theater is because I knew. That if I watched it at home, I'd be pausing it and doing all this other shit. I was just like, let's just see it in the theater and just knock it out one shot. And so I'm glad that I did. Um, the Girl Before on HBO Max, this dropped. Um, a traumatized woman falls in love with an extraordinary minimalist house, which remains under the spell of the architect who originally designed it. But not everything may be as it seems. It's a four-part television thriller adaptation created by J.P. Delaney for BBC One and HBO Max, based on the 2016 novel of the same name by Delaney. Stars Gugu Mbatha-Raw. We recently just saw her in Loki. She plays Jane. David Oyelowo, Jessica Plummer, and Ben Hardy. And uh, here's the thing. I only watched the first episode of this one. June, did you watch any of this? I watched the first two. First two. Joe, did you catch this? I watched the first one. Yeah, I watched the first episode. It came down to like, it came down to like which show I liked more, Inventing Anna or The Girl Before and what I'm going to watch more of. And it's not like I didn't like this show. I did, but I just liked Inventing Anna a little bit more. Um, so I kept watching that. But June, I want to hear what you have to say about The Girl Before. Honestly, like, okay, I'm going to toss it. I'm not saying that it's, like, terrible. It's not terrible. I just, I watched the first two episodes. I'm not going to go back and finish. (laughs) I was bored. I was so bored. And honestly, the whole, the, which I think it's, it's very, to me, it's jarring. Like, the back and forth between, like, yes. you know, it, it's really jarring. And what she's talking amazing. about is that there is this, th- there's this house. Um, they, they, yeah, they call it in the synopsis an extraordinary minimalist house. And it was designed by this architect. And this architect is the one who actually puts people through an interview process in order for them to live there. Now, when they live there, they don't bring many of their possessions and the house is basically, it learns what you like. So it's almost like a, it's like a smart home. Um, and it's designed, it's, it's a, it's a really weird design. Once you get inside the house, um, it starts to, um, like the music that it'll play will play like different music depending on your mood or whatever. Um, anyway, you get to answer questions like like every week you get like a fifty question like survey essentially because like the house is like trying to like learn for right. from you. But like, but the thing is, you can't use anything in the house like not none of the like like the shower or like the oven like not you have to finish the questionnaire. Well, the thing is with this, the architect of the house, his wife and child died. And the women that he is bringing into the home look strikingly similar to his wife. And 
So you're jumping back and forth between two different stories of two different women that lived here at different times, one of whom is who died in the house. But the show does continue to jump back and forth, back and forth between like, you know, three years before, three years later, three years before, three years later. And you're not seeing that on the screen. You just have to know <laughs> what you're watching from exactly. like, wh- which you have to know, like, okay, so in this office, okay, so she's playing because Gugu, um, Magop, uh, how do you say her name? Gugu Mabatha Raw. Yeah. Gugu Mabatha Raw. Like she's playing these two different characters in, you know, in different periods of time, like within different periods of this decade. Right. Because she's playing both characters, like you do, you have to look at like she's not playing both characters. No, she's, she's uh, Jessica Plummer plays uh, Emma Matthews, which is the woman that was there that died in the house. I thought she was playing. Okay, they no, they they, they they like they purposely even for the show they cast women that look the same, but it's two different it's actors. Confusing. It gets so confusing though, like because they do look so much alike that you're like, this is, I don't know. It just was very jarring. Um, Although I will say it's interesting to see uh, Gugu um, about the raw though. Like, I just, like this is the first time I've ever actually seen her like perform anything where she's just using her like natural British accent. Because mm-hmm. she was in the morning show and then she was in Loki, and in both of those she had an American accent. So, um, but she's British, so I'm like, oh, I finally get to actually see her be British for once. Um, and the thing is, I think the actors they cast like the two leads are very talented actors it's just not enough for me to be invested yeah i i don't know i i feel like the weakest part of the story is the trying to figure out like the motivation of david oyelowo's character of edward and like why he's doing this and what's going on here is it just a simply a a, a murder what is going on i don't know i but it wasn't enough for me to continue to like, okay, I'm going to put inventing Anna on the back burner and I'm going to continue to watch this and go to the second episode. Joe, what did you think? Yeah. The the first episode was just to taste it. My wife and I watched this together and you know, this, this genre is like right up her alley, you know, like, like thrillers and in suspenseful movies and in horror and stuff like that. And you know, this isn't horror, but it's definitely, there's something suspenseful and off going on in here. And, and it really didn't hook either of us. When, when that first episode was done, it was like we had the option to watch the second one yeah. or, or not. And we both elected to not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, it's just a taste. And I thought the performances in it are, are really good. Uh, the house that they're in is really cool. So, I mean, you know, visually, visually the stuff you're seeing in this is, is kind of weird, you know? And, I, I just I don't think that the very first episode did a, a a good enough job of setting it up to where you know when it finishes you you really want to go into that second episode. Um, I don't know. Uh, Lindsay said she's going to end up finishing it anyway. Mm-hmm. So so I, I'm sure I'll see bits and pieces of it along the way. But this isn't one where where I, you know I'm going to be chomping at the bit to yeah. <laughs> to continue watching it. I Why get that. Why would live in this apart or this house though? Like the rules. Oh, yeah, exactly. Weird. And yes. Like, basically, you're under surveillance. Like every inch of you, like even like, is tracking your biometrics. 
like that to be that granular. And then the fact that like in the contract, like you, they can have inspections. Like someone can just come by whenever without notice, just walk up in your home to see if you're complying with the rules as laid out by the architect who owns it. Like, I'm like, why do these people want to live here? Yeah. 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 I've, and I felt so bad for Ben Hardy's character of Simon after Emma kind of like calls it quits with him and just like sends him out of the house with trash bags. I'm just like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. I felt so bad for him. Anyway, yeah, I give it a taste it too, Joe. It's just, I, I'm going to have to hear from other people like, multiple other people not just one dude i need to hear from multiple people like oh my god this is fucking incredible you need to get back to it man trust me by episode you know three or whatever this is just like it ramps up because i just was not not sold on this one the final thing that i want to talk about in good pop bad pop is a movie that i watched um called the in between on paramount plus and this is another kind of like Valentine's romantic shit movie. Um, Tessa doesn't believe she deserves her own love story until she meets Skylar, a true romantic. When a car accident kills Skylar, Tessa searches for answers and thinks that Skylar is trying to connect with her from the afterworld. Tessa tries to contact Skylar one last time so their love story can have the ending it deserves. This one stars uh, Joey King and Kyle Allen. And, um, I did, yeah, I thought like, I, I felt like, uh, this movie, like when it started that we were going to have some kind of like supernatural kind of, uh, thing going on here. I felt like maybe she was going to go back in time because like the beginning of the movie, they, 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 we see her going in and out of consciousness. like from this accident where they're trying to bring her back or whatever. And on, uh, there's a, there's a TV and it's showing an episode. I swear, I think I, it was showing an episode, I believe, of the old Jack Benny show from the 50s. And I'm like, is she bouncing? Is she bouncing in and out of time? Because I swear it looked like the Jack Benny show, which if you've never seen the Jack Benny show, they show reruns on Antenna TV. And I've seen them early in the morning. And oh, my God some of the most racist comedy I've ever seen. And this was like <laughs> prime time fucking TV back then. Like this is what people were watching back in the fifties and June. It is some of the most offensive shit, especially to Asians. It is some of the most offensive oh, shit sure. I've ever All seen. The TV back then. Like, I mean, even what the honeymooners was about beating your wife. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. It's, it's crazy. So I thought like, okay, so the supernatural thing is like, she's going to be maybe going back in time. Maybe like, maybe like this guy that she was involved in a relationship was like out of time. And so she goes back to the fifties and has nothing to do with it. For some reason, this flat screen TV, they were watching. I believe they were just watching the Jack Benny show. <laughs> so I don't know, <laughs> but this is some young adult romance bullshit. This movie was like at the beginning of it, she meets this guy Skyler in this movie theater. They're watching this movie together, and at the end of the movie, they're talking about romance and uh, and they're talking about 
they're talking they're making fun of superior superior romance movies in my opinion they start making fun of titanic and no not everybody loves titanic i think it's a fucking great movie and they're making fun of that movie by the end of the movie i'm like you're making fun of a superior movie within your movie fuck (laughs) off with that shit if you're gonna make fun of titanic at least make a good movie um this is this is just young adult romance bullshit in my opinion and not eh, and i like a good supernatural romance movie like i i love somewhere in time with christopher reeve and uh the lake house isn't that one of them too like with the is that sandy b and keanu reeves and and the letters in the mailbox and shit. Is that the lake house? I know what you're talking about. I've never watched it. I love it. I fuck, I fuck yeah, you. Same. I, you know what I'm talking about, Joe? No, I was with June. I, I've never seen it either, but I think that that lake house is the one where it's like there's mails that are, or like letters that are going through mailbox. time. Yeah. yeah magic yeah, mailbox. Magic yeah. I, li- I like that movie. I don't care what anybody says. I like the lake house. <laughs> I like the lake house. I like a good supernatural romance movie. You know, I'm not opposed to that shit. And this is just, this is young adult romance bullshit. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> I had, I just kept watching. I just kept watching, hoping that it would just like get better. There, there's like one decent scene in in the movie where like Skyler from the afterlife is trying to reach out to her and like all these people's cell phones go off with like their song playing and I was like oh my gosh I was like, maybe it's gonna get good and then and then nope. the movie just gets dumber <laughs> and dumber and dumber <laughs> and so just avoid it just avoid it if you're if you're a teenage girl you might love this movie oh my god this was so good it's because you haven't experienced real love because <laughs> this is this because this movie is terrible um it's called the it's called the in between it's on paramount plus and just stay away just stay away all right let's jump into news hear ye hear ye read all about it it's a lift of a news and there's no doubt about it this news is gangster as fuck yo it's gangster as fuck yo i just read this today movie pass targeting summer 2022 revival Two years after it went down in flames, movie ticketing subscription service MoviePass is set to return with co-founder Stacey Spikes setting up a summer release window for the service's relaunch. Spikes was fired from the company in 2018 after it was acquired by Helios and Matheson Analytics and after raising concerns about sustainability of the new service's plans. He turned out to be right... When the infamous unlimited movie tickets for a small monthly fee deal quickly lay leading to the company's demise. Under the new model, MoviePass will work on a tiered system and will run on tradable credits that roll over month to month. The number of credits needed to see a movie will change depending on the time of day. Subscribers will also be able to use their credits to bring a friend or family member Spikes is reportedly targeting 30% of the moviegoer market by 2030. More details are expected closer to potential release, including potential pricing. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to roll out. I'll be honest with you. I yeah. mean, we could all make fun of like MoviePass and like what they did. $10 a month, a movie a day. Here's the thing. I started with MoviePass years before that bullshit happened. Um... I was with MoviePass for maybe three or four years before they did, like, the fucking $10 a month thing. I was paying $30 a month, 
and I could watch a movie a day. And it worked out great for me for years because I could go to any theater and use MoviePass and watch a movie a day. And it was great because I do this show and I have to watch so many movies. And then it was just like if I if I was going to go see a movie that I didn't even think was going to be that great but I was curious about, I could just use my MoviePass. And like my movie pass, even at $30 a month, was paying itself off easily. And then all of a sudden they did this $10 a month thing. And once they incorporated $10 a month and they signed up so many users so quickly, their customer service went away. You had to like contact customer service through like, um, uh, through email and like you wouldn't receive a response for like days. I remember like when I first started, you could call MoviePass and talk to somebody over the phone. Like, like immediately, like they would play this music and then all of a sudden you'd be talking to somebody. And it was like, as soon as they went to the $10 thing, like you could not talk to anybody. Oh, there was no more phone number. There's right? no more so phone like number. Yeah, like that's, that's what you used to have a phone number, and then it suddenly didn't. Um, I was one of the so we, my husband and I were one of the people like that did jump on like the ten dollar a month bandwagon. Now the year that we had it though, or like however like eight months or whatever, it was wonderful. Um, and I did, and I think the benefit of it was you can go to any movie theater because right now we have the Regal thing, which is similar to AMC A list, but I have to go. And granted, it is a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does pay for itself. Yeah. If you go, if you go see, I mean, if you go see three movies in a month, it pays for itself. And so, and, and I do, but my husband, well, pre COVID, then COVID happened. Um, but one of the things, like, I have friends who live in these, like, smaller cities, like, around me, and they have these small independent movies, movie theaters. Like, I, I have to pay if we go see a movie there. And the you know, movie pass that was so great, I could just use it anywhere. Um, yeah. I do like the bringing, like, a family, like, being able to bring a family member or a friend, I do like that aspect of it. Yeah, I'm, it's credit based. I want to see what the different tiers are before I make a decision on whether or not this is going to be a viable option for me. Because one of the reasons that I do like the AMC A list now is because I do get I get three movies a week and. It doesn't matter what movie it is. It can be IMAX. And so, like, a price for an IMAX ticket is, like, here. And I don't, I don't live in New York City. I don't live in Los Angeles. So a price of an IMAX ticket here is going to be anywhere from, like, $15, $16, And that's included in my movie pass, which is 20 bucks a month. So I fucking, you know, I watch one IMAX movie. I've almost paid off my entire month's subscription. And, you know, there's some weeks where I do use all three of my AMC A-list tickets. So AMC does it by week. Okay, because... Um, yeah, it goes from... I mean, Regal, uh, Regal, I think it is just, like, as many movies in a month, like, regardless when you see them. Okay, mine's, like, mine's a week, and I get three a week, and it's from, like, you know, it's, like, from uh, Friday to Thursday. Yeah, so... I mean, I do like these movie subscription paths. Like, I think this is because, like, there are movies. Like, I love the movies, and I always used to go see movies. My husband is not; he's more of like something. Something like marry me, right? Like, you know, pre-COVID days, we probably would have gone to the theater to see it. Yeah. With but having the regal passes because he's not seeing like he's paying 
$12 for this movie that he could easily just watch when it streams on HBO or something. So, I mean, there is a benefit to it. I think Movie Pass was, like, the idea was great. I think the execution of it. Um, so, I, I'm also curious. Like, I am, I am interested to see what yeah. this new model is going to be. Yeah, we'll see what the new model is going to be. Um, yeah, Joe, it, would would this be something you might be interested in? I don't know. Probably not. I I just don't see things in the theater often enough. Yeah. Um. Like it, it totally makes sense for you. You know, someone like you to to have a service like this. And like you were saying, even when it was thirty dollars a month, it was paying for itself because you do see a shit ton of movies in the theater on oh, yeah. a very regular basis. Whereas for me, it it really has to be something that's like absolutely in my wheelhouse. Like it, it pretty much has to be like a superhero movie or a Star Wars movie or you know, if it's if it's something that I'm reviewing, then, you know, and my only choice is to go to the theater, then that's when I do it. But I so I just don't know if a service like this is something that, you know, it, at this point in my life would really make sense for me to get o- over other you know, like streaming stuff like that, just because I'm, I, I tend to prefer to watch things at home. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. I, oh man, I, my attention span at home is just not quite there. Like there's so many distractions. That's why even with the movie, marry me, I was just like, man, I can see this in the theater and I don't have to worry about, you know, uh, a fucking cat jumping on my face right now or, or you know, or right. or, no. or a text. Like the dog wants to go outside, like in the middle of the movie, and then you got to yeah. pause it. Then... Or like just you know, pausing it just to to check my phone, or like what's what's you know what's going on on my phone, or I'll let me just pause it and I'll I'll, I'll play Wordle, you know, or just what it's all this fucking distractions. That's why I love going to the movie theater. With Marry Me, I was just like, okay, I got to drive to the theater and drive back. Even with that, it's like, I think I'm going to fucking knock this out <laughs> a little bit faster than if I tried watching it at home. So, I just like the theater experience. Like, I like being in, like, this auditorium and, like, it's pitch black. Yeah. I mean, pre-COVID, like, I, I you know, I want my popcorn and my soda I usually are an icy. I usually usually get an icy. Yeah, I'm that person. But I like I like my icy and my popcorn, and I just I just like the experience of it. I ha- I um I found a theater that's kind of semi close to me. It's really nice too. It's in a, it's in Lincoln, and most theaters here don't start playing movies uh, during the weekday until like four o'clock. And the Lincoln Grand starts playing movies at ten a.m. And so, like, you know, there's certain days where it's just like, okay, I can go, like, when we, when I got snowed in last week and I wasn't able to go out and see Jackass Forever on opening night, I'm like, how am I going to fit in these two movies when the movie theater started at four o'clock? Like, how the fuck? Then I found the Lincoln and I was like, oh my God, I could watch Jackass at fucking 10 a.m. And then I can go, I can, and then I can go watch Moonfall at like fucking like noon. I was like, this is perfect. And so I drove out there and I just watched both movies. I, and like was showing up that early. It's a matinee. So tickets are like five bucks and I, no one's there. 
no one's there. I'm like, it's like me and like two other people. It's nothing. It's like, yeah, it's so, you know, it's whatever. Um, uh, news from Dark Horizons. Amazon Studios has begun development of Blade Runner, of a Blade Runner 2099, uh, TV series. So, it's gonna be, uh, this, it looks like it's gonna be the sequel series, a live action sequel series of Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. And Ridley Scott is gonna be an executive producer on the series. Um, Silka Luisa from, uh, the series Shining Girls is set to write and executive produce. I'm not familiar with that at all. Shining Girls. Is it a movie series? I don't know. I'm not familiar. Um, but it looks like, uh, this is coming from Amazon. They've got money. I'm a fan of the Blade Runner series. I like the, I love the, the movie. Um, I love both movies actually. I, I know not everybody liked Blade Runner 2049, but I did. And this is, it looks like, ooh, it takes place 50 years after Denis Villeneuve's film. It's not clear what the storyline or characters might be. Huh. Oh my god, this could, this, I don't know, it, it this, I'm definitely gonna be watching to see if this is something, um, that I'm gonna like. I, I just feel like it has to have a, a huge budget. These are, I mean, especially with like, the vision that you have to put, especially with, with Denise, if it looks, if it doesn't look as good as Denise version, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be out. It has to, they have to put some fucking money into this, especially if it's Blade Runner 2099. We're going 50 years in the future past this. I don't know. We'll see. I'm gonna be watching it. I'm intrigued because I love Blade Runner and I loved Blade Runner 2049. Joe, does this interest you at all? I still need to go back and watch those Blade Runner movies. Okay, all right, Th- then it doesn't. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> this does nothing for you. <laughs> Not really, <laughs> Joe. How can you be? How can you be at the age that you are, and you've never, and you've never seen Blade Runner? I'm pretty sure I watched the original one, like in like when I was in like high school. So this would have been in like mid nineties. Okay. So, I mean, it's been quite a while. Um, w- when I had Kova on Startcast, he was going on about how amazing, uh, the new Blade Runner was. And, and so, yeah, I've, I've been wanting to get on those ever since I had Kova on Startcast just because he was so enthusiastic about him. And I just haven't gotten to him yet. Okay. Okay. I-, I think, I think maybe like when you get the, Maybe when you get the first trailer for this, it'll fucking light a fire and you'll, you'll go back and watch those. I, I just watched the, watch, there's so many different versions of the first movie. Just watch, I think it's just the director's cut is the one I would recommend. June, does this do anything for you? I mean, I am indifferent because I've never, I don't know anything about Blade Runner. Like, All I've right. never seen the movies. I, I just, this is not a franchise that, you're not a science fiction person from what I not really. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a big science fiction person. Um so yeah, I just I know everyone says like the original Blade Runner is like one of the best sci fi movies of all time. All right, I just 
Let's just move on from this story. I don't. Sorry. No, it's just listening to you two kind of just. I don't know, meander around this subject. <laughs> it's, just, it's not great. It's not great entertainment. No. <laughs> I, first, I got to listen to Joe. Eh, I've never seen it. Kova loved it, but eh, maybe, why, why the fuck? Maybe I should have Kova on this episode, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we phone a friend? Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm, I, I love it. I love it when I bring up a, a certain subject. And like nobody gives a shit, or, or, any, or it's just like it's a very one-sided conversation at that point, and uh, it's it's like why why do I why are we going to continue to talk about it then? Listen, as someone who is a fan of Blade Runner, I'm intrigued, but I'm also kind of I I have to see like what kind of money they're going to be putting into this because if if from what I get from like that first trailer for like the you know when they released the first pictures of this series, you know through like you know Entertainment Weekly or whatever it is, if if it doesn't look as good as what we got in the 2017 film, then I, I'm probably going to be out. I'm probably going to be out. It ha- they got to put some fucking money behind this shit. I mean it's a, it's a you know, Denis Villeneuve sets a high bar. With what they did in that 2017 film visually, and if they can't fucking hit that, then then I'm fucking out. Uh, Marvel news. I wouldn't discount Amazon though, right? Because Amazon, like, I mean, they're yeah. putting all the money they're putting in that Lord of the Rings show. Sure, and like the Expanse, they don't fuck around with that shit either. So yeah, if they're doing, that's what I'm saying. If 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 we're gonna get a Blade Runner series, put some fucking money into this shit, right? And it's, I don't know. It, I feel like at this point, um, with with how, how with how that movie performed in the theater, of course it's not going to get um, a uh, a another movie order. It, it, I thought it was great, and I think I think critics I think critics did like it. I just don't think it performed well in the box office enough for them to fucking you know warrant a, an, another theatrical release of it. So maybe a service, a streaming service, is the way to go. But th- is it going to come with a lot of baggage to where like you know, and what I mean by that is just like, is it going to come with like, do you have to watch, you know, the first two movies in order to jump into 2099? Or is it going to be something, you know, 50 years removed from all the events of the other shit that you can just jump into this and have no knowledge of replicants and all this other stuff? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It makes me, oh God, it makes me want, it makes me want Disney Plus to say, guess what? We're gonna give you a Tron series. New Year, oh, that would be the shit. Yeah, because I, I don't care. I'm surprised or not. I love Tron, and I, I fucking, I still, I don't care what people say. I fucking love Tron Legacy. Yeah, I did too. So fucking, give me a fucking Tron series on Disney Plus. I, I'm there. I'm there. Do it. I mean, I honestly, I think we should be getting a fucking Tron series. And I love Willow, but I think we should be getting a Tron series before a Willow series. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked for a Willow series though, dude. I, that's a c- pretty big world, dude. They're gonna it's do a this world that can be opened up quite a bit. They're doing. They're gonna do the same fucking thing. Here's here's me going off on a rant. They're gonna be doing the same fucking thing in Willow that they did with the with with the Last Jedi and with all these characters when we finally meet them again. They're gonna uh, Willow is like not gonna be into magic. He's, I put that away. 
I'm not doing that. And he's going to be, you know, he's going to be like the old uh, curmudgeon now. And and somebody's going to pull him back into this world. He's going to be some hermit who sat on a hill somewhere. And somebody's going to pull him back into this adventure. They do it with all this shit. It's not like... It's not like when we when we revisit Luke Skywalker, he's fucking happy on some planet, and we get to see. <laughs> you know what I mean? They do the same fucking thing all yeah, the time, and yeah. and honestly, I Yoda. think Yoda, Yoda in the original trilogy, Yoda, like Yoda is yeah, you know, secluded himself, yeah, isolated himself from everybody. I feel like that's Hollywood's answer to make every character interesting. Now, you know, years later when we revisit them, like oh, life's been <laughs> life's been hard for them. They're so jaded. They're so it's jaded. Like the point of this new movie is to like. <laughs> Like yeah. reconnect them to the thing that they're passionate about. Yeah, we 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 fucking won the day at the end of that movie, but since then life's been so it's life's <laughs> not all what it's been cracked up to be, and so we got to show our hero now at the bottom. We got to show him rock bottom now. That's the only interesting. It's like you know, and the, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I'm so over that shit. Like at this point, like. When all said and done, God damn it! I wish we would have just been able to see uh, uh, Luke, Leia, and Han all together, happy. Yeah, I know. Is that too much to ask? Yeah, you see, you could still make their fucking son a dick, but is it too much to ask for me to see these three characters in a fucking room together, happy? Jesus Christ! I'm sorry. That's it. Let's jump in. A- <laughs> Let's jump. <laughs> so over this fucking that's all we're gonna get from that willow series joe is willow no i'm just picturing like what what if it's like willow's gonna be an angry angry lump of shit by the time we fucking meet him what if it's like an adult laura dannon you know and she's now this you know this queen that's in this restored castle no her life's gonna be shit too she's gonna be like on a stripper pole and hating the (laughs) (laughs) world no i'm like picturing this where you know she's she grew into this role that destiny assigned her, you know, at her birth. And, you know, maybe there's this new, you know, evil witch that has risen up since, you know, was it Bav Morta? She's dead now, long dead. And I don't know. I, just, I think that there is stuff there, but you're probably not wrong, which is the bummer part. Because if they do have it like, oh, it's curmudgeon Willow and he doesn't do magic anywhere. It's like, oh, he just doesn't do the thing that that was all he wanted to fucking do in the first one. So, I mean... Just depending on where the right is, it could be great or it could suck. But I think that that world is ripe for more exploring is all I'm saying. His wife and his kids are probably dead (laughs) and he hates everything. And yeah, I do. I think it's ripe. I I, I do. I like that fantasy world. What what they set up in that movie. I loved it. And I think there's a lot of a lot of things that they could explore in the world of Willow. But I am worried about just the just how they're going to approach it. We'll see what happens. But I do give me a fucking Tron series on Disney Plus. God, yeah, that would damn be amazing it. too. Yeah, man, fuck yeah, fucking light cycles, fucking zipping all over the goddamn place every week. <laughs> I'll take the that. The stuff shit. they set up in Legacy was really fun too. Mm-hmm. That you know this like whole race had spawned up in there, like this yeah form of life had spawned in there and you know he was able to bring it out into the real world and stuff it's like that was pretty cool i thought that was a lot of fun and now with the de-aging stuff if they wanted to bring back you know because like um 
Jeff Bridges did not look great de-aged no, in that movie. In, no, in, admittedly, that was rough, and it yeah. was, it was well, no, you know, early in that technology. Yeah, no, it's like, a bit – that's what I'm saying. It's like we've caught up to where it can look good now. You yes. know? So if they if, – even if they wanted to bring him into the series, you know, which they don't have to do. We can just do something completely new with Tron. Just give us a Tron series or something. Oh, maybe Jeff Bridges can come back and he's angry and he hates life. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like video games anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Light cycles are stupid. Illusion. <laughs> uh, uh, really not what life was meant to be. <laughs> Let's let's move into Marvel news. Marvel news. All right. Uh, the Empire Moon Knight uh, article that came out recently, I thought was interesting. I w- actually want to I actually want to read a little bit. You saw the Moon Knight cover for Empire, guys? Mm-mm. I saw one new picture where it was like the, you know, the Mr. Knight looking image. You didn't see the cover for Empire? I don't know if I saw that or not. Guys, pause. I'm looking it up. All right, so you guys saw it. I, I, yeah, I posted this on Facebook. Um, it, it, I think it just came out yesterday. Uh, I think I saw it like yesterday morning. Um, really fucking cool cover. Um, the magazine's going to hit uh, newsstands uh, on February 17th, so five days from this recording. I definitely want to pick up a copy. Um, I don't know if it's going to have – I hope it has like a huge article about the show coming out, but – um, what I read, this is, this is what was released online. They said, if you look closely at Empire's shiny new Moon Knight covers, you'll notice something about him that's rare for an MCU hero. It's not that he's covered in ancient Egyptian bandages or that he's got hieroglyphic-like symbols on his flowing cape. Admittedly not common in the Marvel pantheon. No, it's that if you look at his knuckles on the tips of his crescent moon-shaped weapons, you'll find dark, uh, dark red blood streaks. The upcoming Disney Plus MCU series starring Oscar Isaac as the nocturnal vigilante with dissociative identity disorder and a penchant for Egyptology is a show that in all senses doesn't pull its punches. There's a harder edge to Moon Knight, a.k.a. Stephen Grant, a.k.a. Mark Spector, that Marvel boss Kevin Feige isn't shying away from. Quote, this is a quote from Feige. He's brutal. Feige tells Empire, citing the streaming service as a space to expand what an MCU story can be. It's been fun to work with Disney Plus and see the boundaries shifting on what we're able to do. There are moments in the series when Moon Knight is wailing on another character and it's loud and brutal. And the knee-jerk reaction is, we're going to pull back on this, right? No, we're not pulling back. There's a tonal shift. This is a different thing. This is Moon Knight. Article goes on to say, it's not just Moon Knight's bloodied fists that mark a departure for the MCU. For one, his power set is linked to a bird-skulled Egyptian deity known as Khonshu. But it's also a show that looks set to deal sensitively with its central character's mental health condition. It is risky, admits Isaac. He's an obscure hero, and the things we're dealing with are very different. But because it's a limited series rather than a movie, the pressure isn't there 
to make sure the opening weekend is massive. We're able to do, to take more risks to bring that experimental quality on a huge scale. Still, from the launch of Iron Man to the assembling to, of the Avengers to the double whammy of Infinity War and Endgame, something has become clear. When Marvel takes risks, they tend to succeed in a major way. So, basically what Feige's saying about this is like they're not pulling punches. This might be the closest thing that we've seen to maybe like the Netflix Daredevil series as far as like violence. I'm not talking about like, you know, the sex shit in that because fucking he had characters fucking going down on each other in fucking Daredevil. <laughs> um, I'm saying that like, uh, I'm saying like, you know, maybe we might get some fucking blood. We might get some like hyper violent shit going on in this. Um, what do you think, Joe? Do you think that this is just like Feige giving us fucking buzzwords and shit, or do you think they are going to lean more in towards like a, a more violent side of the MCU? No, I, I think this is Feige shooting straight. I think he's saying we are going to show you bloody violence, and and yeah, that's my first thought. Also, was that oh my gosh, we're going to get some stuff that's more on par with uh with daredevil from netflix yeah yeah june are you looking forward to moon night you looking forward to seeing some fucking bloody knuckles i am very much looking forward to moon night i love oscar isaac um i actually i absolutely adore him um whether or not i mean you know how they're sort of insinuating that this is going to be a more bloodier more violent I can't help going back to like there's a sex scene in Eternals, except it really wasn't a sex scene, you know. And like I, I don't know, I, I guess I just kind of take things that they say when it comes to when it comes to things that are gratuitous, like sex or violence. With Disney, I think I kind of just take them at face value. Like it's one of the I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, because, I mean, like, there's so much hype around the sex scene in Eternals, right? Mm. And then it happens. And, by the way, I agree with Ashley in y'all's Eternals review. Poor damn Cersei looked like she was fucking uncomfortable. Like, I feel really bad. I felt really bad for her that whole time. But it wasn't, like, anything to make a big deal about. It was barely a sex scene. Yeah, it was terrible. What do you think about uh, Oscar Isaac's quote here about uh, it being a limited series? Limited series. So it's not like it sounds – it sounds like from Oscar Isaac. Here's the thing. I think it's like – I think they made a deal with him. I don't know. Like do we – we don't know the specifics of like what he signed on for. But I happen to believe that, okay, maybe he signed on for Moon Knight – doing this one season, probably going to show up in some movies. And then I'm also thinking that this is all leading towards, I think it's leading towards a Midnight Suns. I think, I think we're getting Midnight Suns. I think uh, it's a, we're going to see this team uh, come together fighting supernatural villains. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Blade could show up in this. I'm thinking uh, Moon Knight, um, Black Knight, and I'm also thinking that, you know, I'm hearing rumors of Ghost Rider. I mean, we're gonna, we'll talk a little bit about that here in a moment, but I'm hearing Ghost Rider might even show up in the MCU. So I'm thinking that they're gonna get into the Midnight Suns. Now, after that, I don't think that, you know, 
and I'm, that's speculation on my part, but I think that they've signed him to maybe some, a few projects, but one of those projects definitely at this point is not like a season two of Moon Knight. But I do, th- I see movie appearances and I do see them probably doing a Midnight Suns. Um, I don't know. Limited series though, that kind of caught me off guard though when he, when he said that, but, you never can trust what these guys are saying, especially Tom Holland. It sounds like it's, you know, Tom Holland, it's, it sounds like he's, <laughs> if you were, if we we're to take him at face value, it's, it's almost like he's done with Spider-Man and he, he's not, he'll, he'll be back for wow. another, another three movies at least. <laughs> totally. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I did, I did, I did read limited series and I was, I was just like, okay, okay. Yeah. That's what it is now, Oscar, until they fucking, until everybody fucking loves this series, love seeing you in movies. And, uh, if Midnight Suns, if that series happens and it blows up, they can definitely get him to come back and do a second season of Moon Knight. Oh, for sure. Um, I wasn't surprised when they said it was going to be a limited series because, it, it seems like they just wanted to have a little bit longer of a time to introduce this character and get audiences used to what he's all about. Because, you know, there's not that he, he's, you know, there's a lot of people that love Moon Knight, but he's not, you know, like one of the premier Marvel characters that the, 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 the you know, the population outside of the fandom really knows much about. Oh, he's so lesser, giving, he's lesser known than Iron Man was before he got his movie. Exactly. And so it makes sense. To okay, let's let's give this guy six episodes, and I'm really hoping they're going to bring Blade in. I mean, that seems like a no brainer because audiences are very familiar with him. They gave him, they gave us just his voice, you know, in the in the stinger at the end of the Eternals, and so it'd be really cool to see him brought into this. And it does make sense that they would be pushing towards something like a Midnight Suns. I do think that we could see Blade in this series. It's like 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 it's a no brainer. It, it is. It's taking place in London. Blade is, you know, in the comics, he's he's based in London. It, it's a lot of stuff lines up. Uh, Black Knight could also show up. Yep. So there, there, he's yeah. in London too. I mean, a lot of these things are lining up, and this is also like a corner of the MCU that they haven't explored yet, and so that means it's also, you know, it's a it's a genre within these comic book movies that they haven't explored yet. So mm-hmm. it makes sense to push in that direction from all, you know, it makes sense in a lot of different ways to me. Yeah. It's like a cushion for Disney too, though. Like if you call it a limited series, right? You know, say the show is gangbusters and like people are clamoring for more. You, you know, it's, you can, you have the, with it, when you call the first season a limited series, like it's almost like you have the option of having multiple seasons. You know, it's more. It's one of those like, if it's not great, then we haven't locked ourselves in. Yeah, I just think with to a continuing to a continuing. I just series. think it's his choice. I'm just saying it's a benefit. It's just it's his a benefit. It's his choice of words. Like he could have just said in this season. He could, you know, not even like, you know, just you know, this season of Moon Knight. He, or he didn't have to. It's just his choice of words. Calling it a limited season is like he may not want an ongoing series too, though. I mean, you know, like he's got. I mean, he makes movie. You know, he he may he may have agreed to like an ongoing series. He may have agreed to like a lit series within appearances and other projects, just so his schedule is not. Yeah, I just don't think that Marvel casts people without. I think that they want them. Like it, when they cast somebody, they want to be able to use them. I think like that's one of the big reasons they didn't get Joaquin Phoenix as Doctor Strange is 
for the fact that, and that's why we saw him do the Joker movie because it was kind of like a, a one and done. And I know there's rumors of Joker too, but like those talks, the only reason those talks even came about is because Joaquin Phoenix himself didn't say like, oh, I'm not coming back. But before he did the fucking, you know, the, before the Doctor Strange stuff, Joaquin Phoenix was like, yeah, you know, he's, he didn't want to get locked into a, like a big Marvel contract. And I think Oscar Isaac, he gets to work with fucking Ethan Hawke this season. I mean, that's got to be a big that's, fucking deal for him. That's like, a surprise. Ethan Hawke in this. Like, I, I don't know. Just, um, that's a surprising choice. I, I think it's because of, I think it's because like probably they're going to give Ethan Hawke a lot of meat in this. And I think the character is going to be super awesome and interesting. Well, exactly. They're going to give him a lot exactly. to chew that's on. So I, I, that's, that's why I'm interested. That's why I think this is a very interesting show. Just yeah. Like who you cast and what, um, I didn't know. Actually, it wasn't until I watched the trailer and then I was like, Oh shit. Oh, and then I was like, Oh, that's right. I guess. This for Ethan Hawke is in this, and I was remember that I told my husband we actually watched Australia together, and he was like, "That is not like Marvel is not something I would ever associate with Ethan Hawke." Yeah, yeah. Well, Ethan Hawke has been on the record and saying before that you know he's not like he's not a fan of the superhero genre. He likes the indie. <laughs> he likes indie movies. Like that's yeah. his. That's been his wheelhouse. Um, and granted, he's done great stuff. Like Boyhood was a fantastic film, um, but. For the past twenty years or so, like he sort of liked this little indie bubble. Um, so I'm just very interested to see like what pans out in this. Um, I tell you one thing, also, like the, the story is intriguing too. By the way, like the actual character, like the like I I have no idea who this character is, but like I want I am excited to learn. I'll tell you one thing for all the fans, you know, growing up and you know reading comics and everybody that would say like a live action, like oh I love the design of the costume. But a live action Moon Knight costume is gonna look stupid on screen. They're all eating their words because it looks fucking awesome. Oh, it sure does. So, um. I've been reading the Charlie Houston run from 2007. I just started it recently and it's been fucking awesome so far. How, how many issues does that go? Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just on the first volume right now. Um, let me see if I can find the series de- series details. Right. Yeah, you don't have to get in. Nah, it's all right. Hey, right, I have a quick question. Thirty six books total. Okay, so that probably includes the volumes as, as well. Oh, nice. Um, no, a quick question. You mentioned Ghost Rider. Yeah. So I know that Kevin Feige has, has officially stated like Agents of Shield is not. No, they're not bringing that dude back. Come on. I mean, you don't think it's going to be um, no. Gabriel Rodriguez, no. you don't think they're going to cast him? No. I, I'm just wondering, because, I mean, they're bringing Charlie Cox back as Daredevil. I mean, you know, they it's clearly they're doing it with the Netflix shows. Yeah. I just wasn't sure if, if Coulson is going to be the only mainstay. I, I don't I don't think they're going to bring that. I I didn't watch it, so. Or Gabriel Luna, that's the same, Gabriel Luna. I didn't watch it, but I don't think, I don't think they're going to bring him back. Because they weren't, because he did have like they weren't. Wasn't he going to get his own show? But then that mm-hmm. got nixed with the Fox Disney. That show. was the rumor. Yeah, yeah. I I, just, I don't think that Kevin Feige wants to give any more. Um, <laughs> I think there's a limit. Um, I don't think that Kevin Feige wants to give any more kind of like uh, validation to Agents of Shield than he has to. To be quite honest with you, I, you know what? At least with that fucking oh god. 
What was the other show they tried to do? Um, starts with an I. Um, the Inhumans. Yeah. Oh my God, Kevin Feige will not even acknowledge the existence of that show. Like, if like I've read interviews where like if you ask him about the Inhumans, he will just pivot. Here's the thing. Straight up, he will straight up ignore the question and pivot. I'm not. He does not acknowledge that that even ever happened. Listen, I'm not going to say 100% no that he's not going to bring in this Gabriel Luna guy. I think I think it really comes down to the fact. I think that Kevin Feige has to be a fan of. You know, I think he has to be a fan of like the actor playing the character. I think at the I think. Kevin Feige's a fan of Charlie Cox's Daredevil. I think Kevin Feige's a fan of Vincent D'Onofrio as of Kingpin. Course, yeah, and yeah. He might not be so. a fan of Jeff Loeb and you know what he did with Agents of Shield and stuff like that, but maybe he's a fan of Gabriel Luna, maybe he'll bring him in. I doubt it. I think that they're gonna go for another actor. All right. Okay. News from comicbook.com. Russell Crowe joins Spider Man spin off movie Craven the Hunter. So Russell Crowe is signing on to join Sony's upcoming Spider-Man spinoff, Craven the Hunter. There are no details now on who Crowe would play in the film. I've actually heard two different sources that he is going to be playing. And Boris Kitt on Twitter said, who is he playing? Story details are being kept in the net, but many of the main characters are said to be Craven's family members. Sources believe that Crowe will play Craven's father. And so Aaron Taylor Johnson is playing Craven. Crow will probably be, and Boris Kitt's not the only source out there. I've read it from like another source on the internet, and it sounds like that Russell Crowe is going to be playing Craven's father in the upcoming Craven the Hunter movie. So, yeah, that's, I mean, he's also going to be playing, uh, Russell Crowe is going to be playing Zeus in the, uh, Thor 11 Thunder movie. So, but he'll be playing, uh, looks like he'll be playing Craven's father. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what to think of this Craven movie. Uh, <laughs> tell you the truth. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Isn't Craven though associated with Tom Hardy? Associated with Spider Man? I mean, what? Hold on, weird. hold on. No. I'm talking about like the character, or well, I mean the characters though. But like, I know that like Sony, the Sony verse is like separate from the MCU. But like Russell Crowe is playing the character in Thor. Mm-hmm. I mean, are they tying in the Sony characters to the MCU at all, or? I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna try to unpack what you're, a- I, what you're asking here. Here's, they're adjacent, like because Tom Hardy's Venom was brought into the MCU for a, for like one purpose in that in that post credit scene. So it's like. With the multiverse, like, it all exists, but you don't have to include Tom Hardy into the MCU storyline, main storylines, but, like, it all exists within the multiverse. So, within the multiverse, I guess Russell Crowe can play Zeus, Andy can play Craven's father. Here's the thing. They can make him look so different in each of those movies to where it's like you won't – you'll know it's Russell Crowe, but – He'll just, each character will look so different. I'm, I'm, you know, and what I'm saying here is the fact that Gemma Chan played an alien in Captain Marvel and she also was in, you know, the Eternals. So 
I mean, it's the same actor playing two different characters in the same universe. And, and I mean, like, you can make somebody look with prosthetics, you can make them look so different. I mean, look at fucking Colin Farrell in the upcoming Batman as the Penguin. Like, he's unrecognizable. Yeah. So, I'm not too concerned about him playing Zeus and him playing, and I don't think you are either, but... I I think I'm just more curious. I think it's just out of curiosity. Sure. Like, no, like, there's connections. Yeah, but I mean, they're so, they're so loose, you know, it's the multiverse. It's I, like these things don't have to collide. Like the only reason like Tom Hardy was in our universe was to serve a purpose to get the Venom symbiote in the MCU. That's it. That's it. Okay. You know, and I, I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to get Tom Hardy in the MCU proper. I mean, that remains to be seen. Let's, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, Oh, uh, another rumor. Here's a rumor from Heroic Hollywood. Uh, X-Men star Cody Smith-McPhee played Nightcrawler. He reportedly turned down the role of Chameleon in Craven the Hunter. So they're looking for an actor to play another villain in that movie. Uh, they're looking for a Chameleon for that movie, it sounds like. This is the rumor. He turned it down because he, I guess there was scheduling conflicts with this one. Um. Yeah, I don't care. Nothing. None of this news is getting me excited for Craven the Hunter at all. I'm. I. I no. mean. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, dude. Like, what is it going to take? Like, we get that first image of Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven the Hunter. Is that enough to get us excited? I don't know if that's enough to get me excited. I guess I have to watch a trailer. I, I don't know what they're going to be doing in this movie. I feel like all these movies like Morbius, Craven the Hunter, it's all start they're really trying to set up like a new kind of like sinister six that Tom Holland can go up against. And I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's like they're just looking into all the different characters they own and they're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what's going to stick and hoping that, you know, they're going to make a splash with something. I I don't know. Well, I mean, I they're just, doing a they're doing a Madam Web movie, man. I mean, it's fucking weird. It's fucking weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they had more characters to play with from Marvel, they would never even be considering making movies like this. They're, it's like they're only making them because they want to cash in on a comic book movie, and these are the characters that they have. And somebody pitched them something. To where someone was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's make it. But until I see a trailer or hear some sort of breakdown of what this movie's actually going to be, it's just people that just own rights to a character. They're just making a movie because they can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, I don't know. I just think Spider-Man and Spider-Man stories will work better. Um I mean, you can do solo movies, but I do think that, like, it, 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 I think it's, I think, uh, uh, this, this experiment has kind of proven that he works better when you're able to slide him over into the MCU as well. So. Oh, without know. a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. And also, it's like, uh, some of Spider-Man's villains are compelling, but to, to, to make an entire movie about Craven the Hunter, is he going to be a villain the entire time? Are they going to make him some sort of protagonist in this? Mm-hmm. Then how are we going to feel when this Craven the Hunter that we liked in this movie is now trying to kill our buddy Spider-Man? 
It's it's just weird. I mean, we could say the same thing about the Black Adam movie too, right? But then like we get we get we get we get these we we get the the screenshots and like that 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 uh, one minute uh, you know what's coming in 2022 from DC where they show us like the Justice Society of America and we see Hawkman live action and we see you know what I mean Doctor Fate and shit and like that shit kind of gets me fucking excited man oh yeah well visually it looks well, it incredible doesn't hurt that you have the that you have Dwayne Johnson I know but it, it's it's <laughs> but like how how is he going to be playing this character I. I understand that, but how is he going to be playing this character who's like in his own movie? It's the same thing that we're looking at here. It's like, it's like you've got, um, uh, a villain and you're giving this villain like their movie. So like, what, what are we doing in the black Adam movie? I know it's the rock. This is awesome. But like, what are we doing in this movie? And like, they don't always, (laughs) they don't always turn out like Tom Hardy's Venom where it's just like it's different because it's like Loki right like Loki's a villain like Loki's been a villain but they gave the character like enough pathos that giving him his own show from his perspective it works but you have to kind of lay that groundwork yeah I think this is all going to be give him his own solo project I think a lot of this is going to be like an origin story and leading up to like him being the villain and then we're going to see like the the clash between the battle between Black Adam and Shazam and like Shazam 3 or whatever it is so we'll see we'll see what happens with that Um, Thor forecasting uh, this comes from the direct Thor forecasting reveals surprising Black Panther crossover check this out Based on the already confirmed villain, it looks like Thor, uh, Thor Love and Thunder will feature a plethora of gods from across different mythologies. However, this spells bad news for the aforementioned gods since there's a strong chance that they will either be killed or imprisoned by Bale's dangerous villain. So Bale, Christian Bale playing Gore the God Butcher. So far, Russell Crowe has been tapped to portray MCU Zeus, the Greek pantheon equivalent to Asgard's Odin. Crow's involvement as Zeus means that other important deities in Greek mythologies like Ares, Hades, and Artemis could potentially appear. Now a new rumor indicated that another god from the MCU's history could appear in the movie. The Cosmic Circus uh, uncovered a listing that suggests that Black Panther goddess Bast would appear in Thor Love and Thunder. Based on the evidence, the outlet revealed that actress Akoja Sabet has been cast for the role of Bastet. Or more commonly referred to as Bast. The Cosmic Circus pointed out that the report comes from both IMDb and Sabat's showcast listing. Sabat uh, is known for her roles in Winchester and Clickbait. Uh, for those unaware, Bast is a goddess from the Wakandan mythos of the MCU. The character serves as the panther goddess that led a warrior shaman to the heart-shaped herb, a plant that can grant enhanced physical abilities and gives the user the ability to enter the ancestral plane. The character appeared during Black Panther's opening sequence with T'Challa retelling the story of how the first Black Panther came to be and how he united the five tribes of Wakanda after numerous conflicts. Marvel's interested in exploring the supernatural aspect of the universe by exploring other mythologies beyond Asgard. Secondly, having Bast appear in Thor Love and Thunder could indicate that we may not only be seeing her in this film, but perhaps other gods from that mythology as well, such as Sekhmet who T'Challa mentioned during Captain America Civil War. Lastly, in the comics, Bast and Segment both have a connection to the moon god, Khonshu, as he is technically their half-brother. So the moon god, Khonshu, is going to be showing up in 
the Moon Knight series. And um, whether or not the relationship between these gods will be explored in the MCU has yet to be confirmed. So, um, yeah, we could see a lot of connections here in this Thor movie as Gore the God Butcher goes around killing different gods. And we could see gods not only, you know, uh, from Greek mythology, but we could also be seeing gods from Wakandan mythology. And we also might be seeing gods from Egyptian mythology. And, yeah, this makes me super excited to see <laughs> a live-action Gore the God Butcher yes. going around slaughtering the gods. Can you imagine that, Joe, on the screen like you're in the theater and all of a sudden it's like all the gods are showing up maybe maybe multiple gods maybe he's not taking them on like one at a time i feel like in order to like save you know some some time here have have like a big god battle showdown where gore the god butcher just slaughters multiple gods Oh yeah, dude. I, we're gonna get an on-screen representation of like the the all black, the the necro sword. Oh yeah, it's gonna be so fucking awesome. If if anybody's interested in reading a really fucking excellent run on Thor, pick up Jason Aaron's run when he started the character. And that first arc is this Gore the God Butcher story, and it is fucking stellar. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So I mean, it, it, what you just described like sounds absolutely insane, but like, I can't and I don't read the comics, but I do you know like Greek mythology, you know, and I don't know, that's just going to be really really interesting. I don't know, it's a lot of things happening, but it's it's an incredible it run. Like, it sounds like it's just going to be really I, amazing to watch on screen. I wonder if we'll get any sort of similar presentation to what it's like. See, in the comic, it's told in three different storylines. Like, mm-hmm. when Thor's like a teenager, and then like present-day Thor, and then like old, old man, man Thor. Thor. Yeah. And basically, when he was a kid, when he was a teenager, he comes across this dead god. And then he ends up finding the dude who killed that god. And then he fights him, and just barely defeats him. And then... And then he has to fight him again in present day because he it turns out he wasn't dead. And then again, way in the future. And then I don't know. It's it's fucking wild the way it pulls it all together. And I wonder if there's going to be any sort of time jumping like that in this. It'd be really cool to see like a like a a way younger version of Chris Hemsworth Thor, you know, dealing with this thing that he thought he'd already dealt with in the past, and then seeing it come back to haunt him again would be a really cool narrative. Yeah, and on top of all that, I mean, we've got a we've got Natalie Portman in this oh, as well. I can't wait to see her representation of the Mighty Thor. That's going to be so amazing. Yeah, and it sounds like she's going to be around to stay in that character, maybe. Ah, uh, maybe. That's what um, I've heard. I've, of, I've heard that as well. Like, what made her want to come back with Taika Waititi? I think the fact that they're fucking finally giving her something to do. Yeah. yeah. Other than just be astrophysicist and stick her hand in some ether, you know, like yeah, that's... exactly. <laughs> um, now, I know the last time we saw Thor, it was he hitched a ride with um, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Do you think we're going to see any of them in this? Like, even oh, just yeah. like at the beginning, yeah, we'll see. Like him. they'll drop him off wherever or something. Something will happen with the Guardians, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Oh God. Um, 
I bet I, I bet I've even read some rumors, and I don't even have them handy. But yeah, I think I think so. Um, final story that I have uh, is, uh, and this goes back to Ghost Rider. Is uh, Norman Reedus addresses Ghost Rider casting rumors? Is this is this fan casting or is this like a real rumor out there? I, I just saw this today. Oh, yeah, I didn't know anything beyond Mm-mm. fan casting with Norman Reedus and, and Ghost Rider. Yeah, let me see if this is like a real rumor that's actually out there. Um, Walking Dead star Norman Reedus reacts to latest MCU Ghost Rider leaks. It's a Ghost Rider fan casting, so it must be fan casting, just fans wanting... Norman Reedus. Okay. Rumors have been swirling among internet sleuths that the actor may be the MCU's ghostwriter. To that, Reedus says, I don't know. Maybe he's doing his best Andrew Garfield. Maybe he does know. I don't know. (laughs) He says, fingers crossed, Reedus told comicbook.com in an exclusive interview. I don't know. There's been a lot of talk over the last couple of years. I do not have an answer for you. Reedus has been open about wanting to take on the ghostwriter role a big fan of the Marvel Comics character and motorcycle fan that comes with it. There's no official word from Marvel Studios about the casting rumor or an announced project which is confirmed to involve any of the Ghost Rider characters, such as Johnny Blaze or Robbie Reyes. That said, a Midnight Suns type of group is starting to form with the likes of Moon Knight, Blade, and others being possible roster candidates, and Ghost Rider would be a sensible addition to the to the roster. I hope that they do introduce Ghost Rider... Um, I do hope it is, listen, I hope it's Johnny Blaze. Nothing against Robbie Reyes, but fuck that Ghost Rider car. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> you want to see Ghost Rider on a motorcycle? On a motorcycle. I don't need to see him in a fucking muscle car. Fuck off with that shit. That's, that's not, that's not Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider's on a fucking motorcycle. There's just something cool about fucking... You know, Ghost Rider showing up on a motorcycle, flaming skull, flaming chains. I don't, I don't need a car. That is the dumbest shit. I think I read the first issue and I was just like, I, I just can't. Just like a big. Can you imagine that? Come on, like you're having a big end game type battle and a fucking car shows up. Like this is not <laughs> Fast and the Furious, but if, if a fucking if in a in a final end game type battle and a fucking flaming skull shows up on a motorcycle, yeah, I'm down with that. That's cool. But a car, fuck off. I'm sorry. <laughs> nothing nothing against Robbie Reyes. Nothing against the character, but just uh, Ghost Rider car. Get the fuck out of here. You know what? I've never seen the Nick Cage Ghost Rider movie. Like I I've never seen it. Um, I've I've heard it was terrible, but. Yeah, first one's like first one's whatever. It's oh, there was more than one. Yeah, there's two. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they made two <laughs> of them. Just the one. I first, never saw those ones either. Really? Yeah. Oh God. Oh, second one is absolutely an abomination. First one's whatever, man. It's just like it was a Ghost Rider movie. I had to watch it. You know, it's fine. It's just it's a Ghost Rider movie. Uh, but yeah, Norman Reedus. What, what do you think, Norman Reedus? Would you want Norman Reedus as the Ghost Rider? I don't know. I'd have to see it. That's where I'm at with it too. I, I'd have to see it because right now I, I I don't even watch Walking Dead, and that's what I see him as. Yeah, you know, it's it's just so saturated, you know, in, in 
So I, it's yeah, I just have to see him actually as that character. Yeah, there's a moment in the, I think it's in the first, I think, is it, I can't remember, guys, it's been fucking over a decade since I've watched the Ghost Rider movies, but anyway, like, Sam Elliott shows up in the movie, and he's like the first Ghost Rider, I think, and he's like on a, like on a horse, (laughs) and, and like, they meet up, and I'm like, and he's like, let's, let's ride out together, and I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna fucking, all he does is ride out with him, and then like, leaves. (laughs) I thought that they were gonna, he was gonna fucking, join him and shit and they were gonna fight and stuff and he's like no let's ride out together and I was like this is so dumb <laughs> oh wow yeah it was bad yeah I don't know I love I like Norman Reedus I like him I like him I'm, I'm still watching The Walking Dead so whatever I, it's you know but I don't know about him as Ghost Rider I think you know it takes a little bit more for me knowing that oh he's just a motorcycle fan and Whatever. I mean, it takes a little bit more for me to to really want to see him or anybody as Ghost Rider. I think, like, whoever fucking takes on that role really has to take it on and, like, make people give a shit about the character other than the fact that he looks really fucking cool. You really have to fucking... You have to make... You have to embody the character. You have to really do something. I mean... You know, and it's not going to be a lot for the character to outshine what Nick Cage did for it. I mean, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, like, it's not like Charlie Cox really had his work cut out for him to be a better daredevil than Ben Affleck, in my yeah, opinion. True. Truth. So, yeah. I mean, the, you can only go up from what we've gotten in the past. I mean, and I didn't watch the Gabriel Luna fucking that shit. I didn't watch it. And I heard it was great. I didn't watch it. It was good. I watched it that part of the good. season. He was really good as it. Um, I mean, he's, he's, I think he's a good actor. Um, then maybe he's the way to go. Maybe he's the way to go. I actually, like, it's not like I'm not chomping at the bit for Norman Reedus. So maybe this guy's the way to go. Maybe, I hope, maybe Feige's a fan. I don't know. No, he, I think what he brought a lot of pathos to the character, which, you know, one of the things that you're saying though is that he gotta, it can't just be that he looks cool when his head's on fire. Yeah. Yeah. I can light my head on fire. <laughs> and also, budgetary-wise, I mean, like, oh, you, that can't be all your show is. Even just to be, you know, restricted by your budget, you can't just do this awesome CGI, like, firehead. Yeah. Like, for a 30-minute episode or something. Oh, man. It's like, there's so many things that I was just feel like, oh, right, let's get... Carl Urban in there, but he's already been a fucking MCU character, and he's doing the boys, right. and I love what he's doing on the boys. Mm, I love what he's. Oh god, when are we gonna get season three of the boys? When's that coming out, Joe? This summer. Yeah, I was, I was saying, I think it's coming out this summer. Mm. June, I think. I think it's like June something. Oh, I can't wait. That's all I got, guys. That's it. Do you think we're going to get an Obi-Wan trailer tomorrow during the Super Bowl? Oh, uh, that is the rumor. Or at least a teaser? Yeah. They're just trying to think of, like, what big trailer can we get during it? Because the Super Bowl is, like, that's a great well, place we're getting that. Stick. We're getting the Lord of the Rings Amazon trailer. Fuck yeah. 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 Looking forward to that. Kind of oh. a Marvel movie, though. Like, I was like, ugh. Boys season three is uh, releasing on June third. 
June third. Yeah. I'm so excited. I am so. <laughs> yes. I'm so just. I'm, I'm very intrigued on where they're going to go from here. What do you think? Do you think that they're going to just? Uh, you think they're going to drop three episodes? Or do you think that they're just going to drop one a week? I honestly just spread it out. Just drop one a week. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm yeah. fine with it. I've been really enjoying all the week to week watching lately, you know, and then all the, the discussion and speculation in between the episode drops. It just makes it more fun. I enjoy week to week droppings of shows if they're good. If you know what I mean? Like if, oh, yeah. if it's that. <laughs> Sometimes That's it's just, sometimes, well, sometimes it's just like, well, sometimes it's just like, okay, I could just, I can watch all of this in a sitting. It's like, I, cause there's shows that I, that are so forgettable that they're, 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 they're fine. And so that's why I keep watching if it's if it's all released. You want to get through it. You, you get through it. Yes. To find out what happens. Yes. Just to find on. out what happens. But if I have to remember to watch it the next week, then I won't. It's it really depends on the show. It really depends on the show. Uh, so. But it is interesting of like shows that like I think Disney is the only streaming platform that if they're gonna go like the ones that do like week to week episodes. When they premiere the season, when Disney is the only one that I know that doesn't do like the dropping of a couple episodes, like the Righteous Gemstones that started last month, mm-hmm. like they dropped the first two episodes of season two. Disney season two Disney, Disney's dropped a couple episodes, like with Loki, didn't they? And with WandaVision, they dropped the first two. Yeah, I it just all depends all on the series. Week. No, uh, WandaVision, they dropped two episodes. Did they? Yeah, they dropped two episodes at once, and then and then after that, it was week to week. So I think, and like with the Pam and Tommy show on Hulu, like they dropped the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. That's that's and Hulu now dropping week to week um, on Hulu. So, but I think that's smart though, just because sometimes you know, for a brand new show, or if you're coming back for a second season, and especially if you're coming back for a second or third season or something, and it's been a while since the last season. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's smart to drop, like, maybe two episodes because it kind of get either eases you into the new story for a new show or gets you back into the world with the second season. I think, like, if, you know, well, with WandaVision, I think, like, they needed to drop the first right. two. Why did I think it was just the one, though? And I could be wrong with Loki. I, I, but I know with WandaVision, they dropped the first two on the same day. With Hawkeye and uh, Winter Soldier, Falcon Bird, um, I think that was just the first episode. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think it just depends on the show. If they if they think like if if they think that maybe they need to drop that uh, that second episode to give people a little bit more and maybe more of a cliffhanger to come back, then maybe they'll drop to. It's, I guess it's, and maybe with like the scheduling too, with like what you know, because like we're seeing them alternate between. You know, Star Wars and Marvel now. So it's like, mm. once this series ends, once this, once the Star Wars series ends, the next thing we're getting is a Marvel thing. And then after that Marvel thing, then the next thing we're getting is like Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then after that, we're gonna get like, you know, She-Hulk. And then after that, so it's just like, you know, after that Ahsoka. So it's just like, or Andor or whatever's gonna come first. It's just like, the alt, they have to like, they have to line the thing, they have to line the shows up so that they end on a certain date so we can get the next thing. I just think for WandaVision, they felt like one was not enough for that series. 
So that, that makes sense because it was just so different. Yeah. With the sitcom aesthetic. Um, so then what is the next thing that Disney? So is it? We're getting Moon Knight. Moon Knight. March thirtieth. Obi. Okay, then Obi Wan and Obi Wan and May. Doctor Strange. Uh, we're Doctor getting. Strange? Well, not on this on the Disney Plus service, but yeah, in May we're getting. Uh, okay. We're getting Doctor Strange in May, and yeah, we're getting Obi Wan season three. Is that this year or is that gonna be next year? Uh, they're saying that. Well, there's no set date, but from everything that I've heard from like the rumors, is that it's going to be coming out or, or uh, around Christmas time. It's a good Christmas present. So if it happens, if they make it, that'll be awesome. Yep, June. I'm trying to wrap the show. I'm sorry. It's it's kind of true, but it is kind of. I'm saying it jokingly, right? Right. You need wrap it up music. And I know it's yeah, like like the Oscars. the Oscars and shit, right? <laughs> I need a virtual cane to pull you off the stage. Uh, Joe. Yes. What's going on at Starcast, man? <laughs> uh, Starcast uh, having a lot of fun there. Uh, new episode was with Rodimus Prime. Could you explain uh, that? Because that sounds ridiculous. Yes. I mean, you, <laughs> you listen to no, no, uh, yeah, we had. He was one of the guests on there, and um, uh, his real name's Rodney. He is. Uh, he has a, a fairly professional career. He's a nurse practitioner, so he doesn't put his his full real name out on social media and um but that was a really good episode with him um we uh we talked a little bit of book of boba fett that probably lasted for about 20 minutes or so otherwise it was it was fairly serious conversation but dude i got way drunk <laughs> before the start of that episode so new start cast episode if you want to hear me be very drunk and try and talk about serious subjects there you go we talked about that single drunk female and then Joe went single drunk Stark on the latest yes. episode. <laughs> Married drunk Stark, excuse me. Married drunk Stark. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and June, you do a podcast with uh, Paul and Jess called Apple to Oranges. What are you covering on the show? We will be covering um, Suspicion, and, um, and we're going to continue our coverage of The After Party. Mm, I haven't watched... Uh, the last two episodes. It's good. It's stellar cast. I know. You know why I haven't watched the last two episodes? No. My Roku in my bedroom doesn't play Apple TV because it's too far away from the router, and for some reason, huh. the okay. Apple TV, if I'm too far away from the fucking router in a certain room, it says this video is unavailable, so I have to watch it in another room, and I don't really enjoy watching... TV in my living room all the time. I like to be in my bed all snugly during the winter time, underneath the covers and shit. <laughs> snugly in bed. The kitties like to lay on me on the bed and get snugly. And we talk like this. It's weird. That's not good. That is exactly where I'm heading. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. The after party, man. It's fucking, fucking great show, though. I... First three episodes are all, I need to watch. Maybe I'll catch up on that tomorrow. What's the one thing? I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, inventing Anna. I need to watch. I, I gotta get back to that. I gotta get back to that. 
really fucking good, Joe. Really good. All right, yeah. That's it. Jake will be back next week. What are we, what are we doing next week? I don't know. Cuphead show's coming out next week. Cuphead. Oh, nice. Yeah. I think we're going to be talking Cuphead. What's the other thing I'm looking forward to talking about next week? Severance. Are you? And that doesn't that come out next week too? What the fuck is Severance? It's the. It's an Apple original show. It's got Adam Scott. Um, kind of sci-fi. Uh, Patricia Arquette and Christopher Walken are in it too. Severance. Yeah, when's this come out? February 18th. Jesus Christ, now I gotta add this fucking show to the list. Christ. <laughs> Severance. Thanks a lot, June. Jesus, fuck me. I just wonder. No, it's on there now, June. <laughs> gotta watch fucking Severance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now I'm gonna feel really bad. Like, like, oh, oh my god, I'm gonna watch like the new episodes on Friday, and no, if it's, it's bad, I'm gonna feel... I will, I will talk to you and apologize profusely. I just feel like I don't know. I just feel like good pup, bad pup just goes on forever sometimes. I feel like I'm in a moke. So much content. I feel like, I feel like, uh, I feel like after episodes 400, I feel like once you hit 400 episodes, like all these podcasts become like, just like a Mobius loop. I'm just like stuck in a <laughs> podcast. I just can't get the <laughs> I can't get the fuck out. I'm trapped in the podcast world. Ah, I just, I want, Joe, I want my life back. Because <laughs> it is more than just Saturday because this content doesn't watch itself. Oh, I know. It doesn't watch itself. It's like, I gotta, I gotta fucking, I gotta, my whole life revolves around this goddamn show, Joe. <laughs> what happened? One day. I don't know how you do this week to week. I don't either. Because, like, this week, like, my husband has had zero control over the remote. Like, at all. Because I've just been like, I gotta watch this, and we're gonna watch this, and this. And he is like, I am so glad this is not a weekly thing for you. <laughs> oh, well. Tell her. Yeah. This is one of these, these, I'm gonna put a bullet in my brain one of these days, just while recording an episode. And it'll pro- hopefully it'll be our highest downloaded show. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was listening to a podcast and all of a sudden, bam! Lights out for this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, man. It's a lot some weeks. Some weeks it's a lot. Some weeks I feel like I watch so much shit that by the time we hit record, by the time I've done notes and by the time we start hitting record, my brain is mush. For sure. And it's like, what the fuck? Words are just coming out of my mouth. I don't know what I'm saying. It's just, what the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) You just described any episode of Starcast. (laughs) Words are just coming out of my mouth. I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) I don't know. And Starcast has been good. And like the, like (laughs) PCL, PCL is on the down, dude. It's like, god damn it. It is. It is. I, I disagree. I still enjoy I the fuck out of it. Oh, God, you. That's not what I'm asking for right now. I'm actually asking for valid. <laughs> I'm. I'm you know, begging. I I'm, listened to last week and it sucked. Okay, I was at work. And thank I was you. Like, My God, work already sucks, and now I'm listening to this. Does thank that make you. Me feel better? Yes, it does because then it was. Okay. Then once once it's just like everybody's just like, dude, the show sucks. I'll just be like, okay, all right. 
I get my Saturday nights back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you think you hurt my feelings. You really think you hurt my feelings. I got my Saturday nights back, baby. Now you... Yes, right. Okay, if it makes you feel better, yeah, it was shit this week. It went well, and it was funny. It was awesome. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes out on Netflix. The... the, they're doing the, they got the new movie. There they, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Alright. And, uh, that is all we have. And Joe and June, I want to thank you for putting up with me. And what, Joe, thank you so much. Two days. This is what you did in two days and you fucking, you, you fucking, you, you, you did it, sir. You killed it. Was it was my pleasure. Mm. Yeah, two days, Joan. Two days to prepare for this. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Two days. Otherwise, it was just going to be me and you, June. And I was like, oh, my God. That is. Oh, no. That would have been bad. I know. Oh, fuck. That, that's my nightmare. That would have been so bad. That's my nightmare. I know. Seriously. My nightmare too. I've been there before. June's too. fun to do a solo episode with. Really. Joe, you can do a solo. I can't. Not with June. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, June. I can't do a solo episode with anybody. I need a third person to bounce shit off of. Otherwise, it's just like me and another person. I can't keep the conversation going like a joke. The ones where it's just you and Jake have been like... Some of the funniest shit has come out with the ones where it's just you and Jake. The Jake catalog stuff. Like, come on, that's classic. I don't even remember that. You know... That's the thing. Joe, you can keep a conversation going because you're such an easy person. I'm not easy to talk to. I Like, even the conversations I have with myself in my head, I want to fucking strangle myself <laughs> half the time. It's tr- I can't keep a conversation with myself, let alone <laughs> Jesus put somebody else through it. Actually, I, I brought you on for June. That way June wouldn't have to put up with my shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so jo- Joe, I'm a little insulted, Brian, that you don't think I have the constitution to uh, <laughs> go one-on-one with you. Oh, Jesus! I, a little, I feel like I'm a little tougher than that. Fine, fuck it. You know what? We'll fuck it. It'll be. We'll have next time. It'll, we'll. I'll Please, figure out no, a June and Brian episode, saying. and I'm no, gonna I put. I am gonna put you through the goddamn mental ringer on that episode. <laughs> not that I was not saying she was. I am gonna. I am. You're gonna be in the fucking fetal position by the end of that episode, rocking in a corner somewhere. I was just defending myself because I do think I'm a little tougher than that. So. Uh, I'm, I'm fucking with you. Guys, uh, it's been fun and, uh, check out Apple to Oranges podcast and start cast, start cast and Apple to Oranges fucking great podcast and we will see you next week. I'm done saying that one little saying that I say before. I'm done with that shit. I don't know what the new saying is. I don't know. We'll figure something out. <laughs> Just like I'm saying, dog <laughs> fucking dumb shit I used to say so dumb Joe what should I say at the end of the show how should I how should I sign off on this on this fucking shit show I, you know what I should sign off with I should sign off with 
How the fuck do you people listen to this garbage? <laughs> Good night! You know? <laughs> hey, all right. Uh, thanks for listening. You people listen to crap. Good night. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Hey, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And we uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcast that originally good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftover, and we'll be uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftover, the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.